0: But they just did a Crispin Wye episode So that was garnishing a lot of Twitter talk um, Which I'm only aware of Because I was listening to the Lord Stephen Regal podcast And and um, For some reason people always like hound him I say for some reason but I actually know the reason Which is that um, he's lay- He was laying it out like The night that the Crispin Wye shit happened Yeah uh, They were supposed to be a pay-per-view Chris No showed it the next night Raw they did the tribute shit right and um like at the time his side of the story is what people always always think that he knows more like he knew more before everybody else kind of a thing mm-hmm. um because he was like close with chris he wrestled with chris benoit and, like wcw they were like in a car accident together at one point so just people have this like understanding that they were like real tight which he was like we we weren't there was we were until he divorced like his first wife like nancy or whatever and then he married this new woman and like three years later like the you know like the you know tragedy happened and he yeah. was like for those three years he was like you know my wife was close with his first wife and after how that went she didn't like chris anymore chris wasn't allowed at my house i wasn't allowed to really hang out with him so like we saw each other at work and stuff but like you know chris is also like he doesn't use this word but he was like chris is like a respectable guy like so he understood what the situation was there was no bad blood there but like we yeah. just he just knew we weren't friends anymore kind of a thing you know anyways but that night um that they did like the raw thing that everybody points to as being like evidence that that you know lord stephen regal uh, knew more than everybody else at the time he was talking about how he was like um chris had always lived like in the same neighbors neighborhood as him until the divorce happened after that he moved about six miles from where william regal lived he was like i didn't know exactly where but i knew it was like six miles away kind of thing And he was like, uh, and I'm, you know, just gonna be honest that, you know, I don't know if it sounds foolish or not, but he's like, but at the time, like legitimately what I thought was that maybe there's like a serial killer out there who hates wrestlers or something or has some kind of beef. And he was like, and I just kept thinking like, what if the person who did that to Chris and Chris's family, you know, I live very close. Like what if, you know what I mean? That kind of a thing. He was like so all day. He was like I was just call in my house and my family just to make sure that they were okay. Like I had no idea what was going on and stuff like that. And he was like it hadn't even crossed my mind you know that it would be like a murder suicide thing. He yeah. was like until like I was about to go into the booth, the red light was on, it went off and JBL came out. And we were talking for about a minute before I went into the booth. And he said to me, "You don't think Chris has anything to do with this, do you?" And he was like and then I went into the booth to record. And he was like, so any amount of, like, I might have known more is literally me just finally grappling with, grappling with that concept of, like, no, there's not some, like... I'm putting a lot of words into his mouth because he's taking this very seriously and I'm being very goofy. Yeah. But he was like, no, there's not, like, some master murderer out there killing ex-professional <laughs> wrestlers or whatever. Like, Chris Benoit might have killed himself it's, in his it's family. It's head trauma, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah every time I, 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 like, recommend Dark Side of the Ring to someone in my in the back of my head, I'm like, I may want to tell them to skip the Crispin Waw episode because that's it's, oh, yeah, it's the worst. Like, like every time you bring it up, I just think about them looking at his computer history and right before killing himself, Mm -hmm. looking up that Bible verse about a man bringing his son back to life. Yeah, and then the quickest way to snap your neck. Yeah. Ugh,
0: that's the worst one-two punch I've ever heard in any true crime anything.
1: Welcome back to Tag In Tag Out, our wrestling podcast. (laughs)
0: One of the last things I'll say, though, is, uh, yeah, big respect to William Regal. If you have any inclination to listen to his podcast, please do. Um, Super interesting guy from what I've listened to of the podcast so far. Uh, He's always respected as a wrestler for just being like a worker, you know, like someone who just goes in and does his job well, kind of a thing. Um, He had a couple of runs that were very successful for him, but he was never like, you know, top of the card necessarily. Yeah. great comedic timing and whatnot very funny guy but um his attitude towards all that kind of stuff is just really um really really um admirable he always just talks about how he was like i knew my place it's nice that people you know still like think of me as being such a good wrestler and whatnot but he's like but i just knew you know i'm a professional in the sense that like this is my job this is what i get paid for you know what i mean like i get paid to wrestle and i went out there and I did that kind of a thing. Like there's a clip where they talk about how at one point Vince McMahon before he was famous to any degree um gave him this gimmick called the man's man where he'd come out to like a theme song and like be wearing like a construction outfit with like a flannel cut off oh, yeah. kind of a thing, you know, and the whole gimmick was that he was like a man's man, which is very funny cuz he you know it seems like such like a classic americana blue collar caricature and he was like a british guy who would always who would go on to be known as like lord stephen regal and all the pageantry of like great britain and all that kind of stuff um and there's a point where like the guy who co-hosts the podcast is like what were you thinking when you know vince mcmahon pitched that to you and he goes if i was of sound mind and the other guy starts laughing really hard and william regal's like you probably think i'm about to say i would have told him He's a fucking idiot. But he's like, but no, if I was at of a sound mind at that time, because for reference, he always struggled with drug addiction. Um, he was like, if I was at of sound mind, he was like, I would have made that work. That's oh, what yeah. I was given, and I would have made that work. That's very cool. And he's like, uh, he's like, I have the comedic chops. People still ask me about that entrance music, they still play it in the guy who's co and he's like, Oh yeah, he's like, I swear to God I was listening to it last night. It's fucking late. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he's like, exactly. He's like, you know, he's like, because a lot of people come into this business thinking like, Oh, I'm a tough guy yeah you know that kind of a thing he's like you're not that's not what professional wrestling is you're not paying attention you don't know what professional wrestling is yeah he's like you're going to be given something and it's up to you whether or not you make it work he's like that's what i always tell young talent and stuff is like if you go out and you're like i don't want to be the man's man i don't want to do this that kind of thing the audience is going to tell you're not going to get over he's like but if you go out there and you own it and you try to make that work he's like i'm telling you 99 of the time it works yeah that kind of a thing
1: unless you're just to the tits with drugs <laughs> <laughs> oh shit but yeah so
0: was there a point any of that no but mad respect william regal
1: <laughs> um i don't know why you talking about that reminded me of barry everything reminds me of barry i yeah. watched all of barry recently great show i think it might be my favorite show mm-hmm. um but henry winkler plays his acting teacher henry winkler the best comedic timing I think of anybody on the planet.
0: <laughs> he's so good in this uh, arrested development.
1: Oh, I love him so much. He like there's a part in Barry where like everyone in the acting class has to like, you know, perform a, a scene from their life. And uh, Barry's girlfriend is doing one where her ex husband beat her and she walked out on him. Yeah. And Barry's gonna do one is has to do one about like killing someone during the war. And he really doesn't want to do that. And he's in his girlfriend scene he's playing the ex-boyfriend mm-hmm. and he goes to henry winkler and he goes i think i'm going to help her with hers i'm going to put all my energy into that and not do my own scene okay and henry winkler's like that's fine that sounds great i'm, I'm totally with it and he goes and was there any way you could like you know help me with this like channel my story into this and henry winkler goes yeah of course absolutely no matter what barry i am here for you whatever you need as long as I am out of here in seven minutes. And <laughs> then I get hard cuts to him, like, telling him his emotional story and him being like, yeah, that's super fucked up, and giving him this, like, huge speech about how, like, you've done something bad, but that doesn't make you bad. And, yeah. you know, that's all we're all we're trying to do. And he tells him the story about how he's estranged from his son, but now he's got a relationship with his son again. And he's like, we're all just trying to make up for what we've done and be a good person going on, okay? I believe in you. You've got this, all right? I'm going to be so late for my escape room. <laughs> <laughs> wow,
0: what a topical thing you've brought up there. Escape rooms? Yeah. Yeah. You ever been to one?
1: Uh, yeah, and it sucked.
0: It does suck. No, I was talking about the whole idea of, like, I think that rings true to oh, yeah. the movies we talked. about. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Another wrestling podcast that just started up recently is uh, Mick Foley has one called Foley is Pod. Mm-hmm. I haven't listened to much of it. I don't know. I like McFoley a lot. I frequently refer to him as the...
1: Oh, it's so hot in here, Chris. <laughs> oh, I just I drank all this coffee. It's a huge mistake. Sorry, go on.
0: What are you trying to, like, one-up me from the last week? Oh, with the... No, you had your shirt all the way off. I'm okay. just...
1: I'm still self-conscious about my, sh- my shoulders and my a- collarbones. And how hairy they are. Yeah, I mean, like, this is all ha- extremely yeah. hairy.
0: But anyways, I, I frequently refer to him as, like, the Kevin Smith of, of wrestling. Uh-huh. Um, he was talking about... And I was half listening. But I get the gist of the story. He was on some kind of show, and they were, like... 10 seconds to, like, you know, airtime kind of mm-hmm. a thing, and this lady that he was sitting next to, uh, he was, like, promoting his book, I guess, uh, and she was, like, she was, like, uh, you look familiar, like, uh, w- w- what's, your, what's your book about, and, like, with, like, three seconds ago, like, three, two kind of a thing, he was, like, oh, it was about the time I spent in prison, and then... <laughs> And then the lights went on, and they, you know, did the I love wrestling McFoley. Thing, yeah. Every
1: time I hear McFoley talk, I'm like, this guy rips. I yeah. love him. And then
0: afterwards, I guess they had a conversation. I guess she was kind of a dancer or something like that, and she was talking about how, whatever, and he was like, uh, yeah, he's like, honestly, I, I think dancing might be, you know, not as different to, you know, like wrestling. professional yeah, wrestling, wrestling not, is, yeah. as, you, as you think it is kind of thing. She's like, really, how so? And he, he went on this thing about how, like, he's like, well, because there are a lot of times in, in professional wrestling, you know, uh, where where you're just thinking, like, you, you have to remind yourself, like, this is all I've ever wanted to do. Like, you have to remind yourself that thing, you know. Um, which ties back into something else William Regal was talking about. This one, I'm tossing it up. You can look at it positively. You can look at it negatively. But he was, he was just talking about, uh, again, he's just got that attitude of, like, taking things on the chin and stuff like that. And he talks about how he was, like, um he was like i was like 14 or whatever and uh i was trying to break into like the english wrestling scene uh, which was like i said primarily like shoot wrestling at like fairs like you know I mean? <laughs> and like i guess the setup of it was something like where like there were like three matches and it was best two out of three kind of a thing and like you know you you basically won by pinfall or submission and he was talking about this is just a side note real quick he was talking about like starting at wcw and like when he was having the meeting with like all of the people who ran wcw they were like all right what's your finish and he was like Pinfall submission. They were like, no, like like a tombstone, like a you know, you got like a six one nine kind of thing. Is like, I mean, I could do those things, and they're like, you mean you don't have a finish? And he was like, no, no. Then he was talking about like that meeting where like he was like, and they just kept hitting me with like, well, can you do this? And I was like, well, yeah, I guess I could kind of do that. And he was like, I spent a lot of like, if you look at my early WCW career, I'm just ending matches with any move to see if it like (laughs) if anybody gets a reaction. Because he's like, I didn't come from that world. I just came from the world where like you 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 know pinfall submission kind Mm -hmm. of thing. But anyways, he was talking about being like fourteen. Um, he's talking about being 14 and like the, like for lack of a better term, the promoter. But like, again, it wasn't even like, I don't even think he was wrestling for like any kind of association. Like, again, I think it was a very, you know, he was like, <laughs> at the end of it, uh, he was, like, he was like, I think that guy had kind of taken a liking to me and he knew that like, this is what I wanted to do kind of a thing. And he just gave me this little thing where he was like, all right, he was like, uh, if there's no money in this. You're going to end up crippled. And it's a totally corrupt and crooked Uh, Industry where you're going to make no money. Are you still in? And he was like, yeah, yes, absolutely, yes, yes, that kind of a thing. And uh, the reason why I bring this up in reference to the Mick Foley thing, where he was talking about the whole, like, you have to remind yourself, like, this is all I've ever wanted. Because Mick, or not Mick, uh, William Regal talks about how he's like, you know, I see these interviews with like these young guys who got into this problem or couldn't get over this or the backstage politics, that, or this, that, and the other. And he's like, and I definitely get it. He's like, but also there's a degree to which you might just not be cut out for professional wrestling. Like, I'm sorry, but that's what it is. It's long hours on the road. Yeah. It's injuries. It's backstage politics. He's like, and I knew that going in, you know, that's why you told that story about talking to the whole thing about how it's a corrupt business. You're not going to make any money and you're going to end up crippled, you know? And he's just kind of like, he's just got that attitude of like, I had to accept all those things. I'm not saying it's great, but I'm just saying like, you know, if you can't take those kinds of things out of the chin, like it just might not be for you kind of thing.
1: Yeah. it's, It's funny you mentioned that McFoley quote. Um, the Kevin Smith of wrestling, because I heard an interview with Kevin Smith, uh-huh. the Kevin Smith of Kevin Smith, uh, like, giving somebody advice about, like, you know, striking out on their own and doing something that they love. And he's like, yeah, and there's going to be times where things are really tough and you're not going to want to go ahead, but you just got to remind yourself, this is what you wanted. Mm-hmm. This is part of it. It's basically the same quote. He's like, you wanted this. Just yeah. always remember that. You wanted this, yeah. and this is part of it, so... Speaking of Kevin Smith and movies, you want to talk about some movies? Yeah, sure.
0: Eating Soup Alone is a podcast hosted by me, Christopher Crumley, and co-hosted by Nicholas Johnson. We try our best to ramble incoherently about a handful of movies at least
1: once a week uh okay i got a question for you okay what's your question and i don't want any i don't care whatever you want what do you want to talk about first
0: uh let's talk about kiss kiss bang bang first okay and we're we're talking about mcfoley so i have to go
1: bang 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 use mail mail time okay
0: A handful of years before Robert Downey Jr. was uh, covered in metal and Val Kilmer was covered in chunky turquoise jewelry, uh, there was a movie where these former-slash-future superstars played just two guys solving crimes and cracking wise. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is a lot like a 2002 Pontiac Grand Prix. Is it perfect? No. Do all of it's parts fit correctly? Absolutely not. Does it every once in a while make a loud, grinding, banging noise that makes you go, oh, this isn't going to age well? Yeah, of course it does. But you know what it does most of all? It just works. It's a nice little machine that rides a little rough, but fills your life with surprises, like plot twists or a cigarette you find between the seat uh, or in the center console. you love it. 8.5 out of 10. It's not one of the best reading jobs I've done. I was going to say, was... you know, I take that
1: again before you burp? Without I burping in the burp. middle of it? I am burping. Oh. You, you, you no. definitely held back a burp. You burped while talking. <laughs> um, 2002 Grand Prix? That's what
0: that sounds <laughs> like. <laughs> 2002 Grand Prix, that reminded me, yeah, the other day I was just kind of laying on a balcony and I was thinking, I felt my heart beating. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, it's so disgusting that I'm just like, like an organic machine. Like, I'm no different than a car. Like, with its tubes running mm. metal to shit and stuff and the engine and stuff like that. And I was like, oh my god. I did, for reference, no, it was not my first time smoking weed, but I was like, oh, that's weird. Like, a car is literally just us making a machine version of us, kind of. Like, the way we've wired it. And shit like that is, like, exactly. It's like, like
1: what we were talking about with Terminator 2. Oh, he can't make anything that has chemicals and moving parts. Yeah. Bro, I got chemicals and moving parts. <laughs>
0: it just reminds me of, like, you know, people talk about, you know, in space, when you're looking for life. Like, you know, people who believe in aliens always like to bring up the point where they're like, well, yeah. I mean, like, but if you're looking for a cow, then you, like, look for grass and you look for water. Like, mm-hmm. we, don't even, we don't even know, like, what other life could look like? It could not even look like us. Or, like, in the sense that it might not need oxygen. It might not yeah. need water. It might not need these kinds of things and stuff like that um which sure let's sure let's just say sure um sure yeah it is also just interesting that like the same way that we'd be looking through life through the lens of the only thing we understand which is us in a sense like we made a car through the only lens that we understand which is us with like you know circuitry connecting the you know the the electrical components like the brain you know nerves to parts of the fucking car and like I said, I already mentioned the oil and tubes thing. Anyways, it's gross. I just don't like to think about anything underneath my skin. I get that, yeah. You know, I'm less grossed out by the idea that there's, like, millions of, like, microscopic whatever the fuck's on my skin. Yeah, sometimes That's I, think whatever. A,
1: I think about my blood moving through my body. I just want to die. Yeah. I just, I hate being a person. It's just mm-hmm. so gross. I hate the idea that I got ribs up in me, and there's a gallbladder in there that might need to be removed you one day. You know what's so fucked up about ribs? Yeah. They're there to protect your organs and stuff like that. Uh-huh.
0: Why
1: well, they got the holes? <laughs> Uh, this is the perfectly <laughs> knife-shaped holes
0: to get right at everything in there. Also, why nothing on the tummy? There's a bunch of important stuff in yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. You know? Or uh, you know, there are there are flaws with the human body.
1: Oh yeah, it's not. It's like a 2002 Grand Prix. Yeah. It kind of sucks.
0: I know it's not the only functionality, but it is very funny to think that like we literally evolved so that we couldn't stub our fingers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can, but like you could. Yeah. You, the, the, literally, the nail is there to protect us from the fact that we always get our na- our fingers caught and shit just a little bit of extra, like, you know, so it doesn't hurt as bad as it potentially could. And it's also thing. so you can pick stuff
1: up. Yeah. Off the ground.
0: Yeah. Anyway. Do you think when you were, like, uh, uh, when we one. were, like, cavemen and stuff like that, was, is just like, chewing your nails? Is that... Or do you think they had, like, primitive nail clipper?
1: I think they of, were yeah. just, like, out and about doing stuff so much, they probably just naturally, like grind down and get shipped, yeah. so they're not okay. that long. Interesting. They were probably, for sure, longer than ours, but... Yeah. Yeah, they weren't like
0: like saber tooth.
1: They weren't like that dude in the Guinness book Guinness Book of World Records, you yeah. know, or is the bag over the fingernails? Yeah, I hate that guy.
0: Once they started getting long enough like that, you just have to knock it off, I guess. With like a chisel and a hammer, kind of ch- 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 do it, you know. Guy yeah, with the long ones, you mean? I don't know. I'm thinking of like a Flintstone style, like you know, kind of spa situation where they would just chisel away your little nails.
1: They'd for sure have, like, a prehistoric bird or something like that that they'd hold that would, like, bite off their fingernails. Fair um, enough,
0: fair enough. I didn't go cartoonish enough.
1: Anyway, Anyways. we watched Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah. Um, this is the first time we haven't watched the two movies together. That's true. We were busy boys. Uh-huh. Uh, I said, all right, we'll watch you separately. Mm-hmm. How did that, how was that? Um, was it weird? It was fine. Uh, I said, we're going to watch Rocky. I'm going to go watch Rocky right now. Yeah. I texted you while you were on the road. I came to the living room and was like, no, I want to watch something else. And I watched Kiss Kiss Bang Bang because I walked by it. And I love this movie. Uh huh. Um, and then, of course, we watched In Bruges a couple days later. But that's not how this show usually goes. Chris, what's your experience with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang?
0: Um, it's just one of those things you made me watch kind of a thing. I'd seen The Nice Guys. I like The Nice Guys. I've seen Lethal Weapon. I like Lethal Weapon enough, you know for What it is and whatnot, and uh, the sequels are also very funny. Diplomatic immunity, all that kind of stuff. I've yeah. seen Iron Man 3. I probably saw Iron Man 3 first and didn't really know who Shane Black was. Um,
1: also, Last Action Hero, we saw
0: oh, yeah, Last Action Hero. We already talked about that, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I just seen it a couple of times. I, you know, yeah, that's that's about it, you know. Is that how you feel about it? No, I, I do like this, thing. okay, but I was trying to. I was just thinking, like, uh, not necessarily, like, trying to opine too much in that section necessarily. Okay. I get you. Mm. We'll get to the why I like it and stuff. Anyways. What year did this thing come out? 2005. Uh, really? Okay. Yeah. All right, it's 2005. Shane Black makes a movie. Robert Downey Jr. is in it. Val Kilmer is in it. Robert Downey Jr. is our main character. Uh, I like the opening a lot. It's definitely a lot of fun. You know?
1: Chris. What? I don't know what to do with you. Why? We've been doing this for almost a year. Yeah. Every single time it goes, yeah. Chris, what's your experience with X? And yeah. you go, well, here's my experience. And then you're supposed to go, what about you? Didn't you just say? No. Oh, give me your experience. I feel like we do this every single week. I go, <laughs> oh, hello, Nick, how did you feel about it? Oh, thanks for asking, Chris. <sighs> anyway. What's um, your experience? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. I thought On in the I beginning just,
0: you said, I've seen this or whatever, yada, 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 like it.
1: Uh did I do that? Yeah. No. Well, all
0: right. That's why I opted not to say like it.
1: This is a bad show, I guess. <laughs> no, that's all you at edited. I don't remember how it first came across. You know what it probably was? Hmm. I probably saw something about it on Tumblr. Oh, yeah? In like, you know, the ripe year of 2013, 2014. Okay. I was like, no, that looks funny. And then I just looked it up and watched some of it and... uh I had a friend at the time who I would watch a bunch of movies with I was like ooh he's gonna really like this so I was like yo come over we gotta watch this movie and he came over and we watched it and we're like oh this movie's great and I showed it to like a bunch of people like I remember showed it to my dad he's like and my dad I think put it perfectly he's like well like a nice little like a dark horse of a movie that like I've never seen or heard of this movie's great yeah um, and I, yeah I don't think this movie's like super obscure mm-hmm. but I just feel like not, not a lot of people have seen it and it deserves more praise than it gets because yeah. I legitimately love this movie
0: Yeah. Um, It reminds me a lot of both of these movies, too, and I'll talk about it more when we talk about the second movie, but uh, just that kind of thing where, like, it's funny because Shane Black literally made Die Hard, which is, not Die Hard, fuck, uh, Shane Black literally made Lethal Weapon, uh, which is kind of one of those movies of that era, Uh, but this one, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and, like, In Bruges kind of seem like, like, not your dad's Lethal Weapon. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. It's... It's
1: (laughs) Yeah, what I love about this movie and the nice guys, which is absolutely like a spiritual sequel to this one, Mm -hmm. um, they're pretty much the same movie. It's just two likable actors who you'll watch do anything just doing like a a shitty like paperback mystery novel, like a Hardy Boys book or something like that. And it's got like all the the cliches and stuff like that. And it's just a nice little movie that I enjoy stem to stern. And it's just great to watch at any time. And I never get tired of it. And it's just every time I watch either of these movies, I'm like this is just great like Mm -hmm. it almost like i almost get the feeling that i get almost from back to the future we watch a lot of stuff like after i watch like there will be blood i'm like oh fuck that was really good i'm like oh i got a lot to think about and this and that both of these movies it's like no these are just good movies like start to end there's nothing like there's not a lot of layers to it i don't need to do a deep dive analysis on it before i talk about it on on the show or anything like that i'm like it's just a good well-made movie and it just makes me happy
0: yeah, I will say, uh, just real quick to get out of the way, we're not going to go on for a long time. Both of these movies have some aspects that didn't age real well. I like Val Kilmer um, as gay Perry, which I'm going to refrain from referring to him as gay Perry <laughs> very much. Uh, but Perry, uh, I definitely like, again, this is coming from a pretty privileged standpoint, but I like that it's a gay character that, in my opinion, strays pretty far from being too stereotypical or anything like that. It's just people's reaction to Perry often, which also, in my opinion, is kind of like one of those things that's like, this character would get a lot of that. Yeah. So that in that in that regard, it seems <clears throat> pretty accurate. You know, like, for example, the first time you see Perry, mm-hmm. uh, the ball... Producer man who I've seen in a lot of movies, I feel like. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. uh, Is giving him that whole talk about how he's like, he's like, you just, you see a naked dude and you think, I want to fuck that. He's like, I just, my mind doesn't make that leap kind of a thing. And again, I can just like, you know, from where I'm sitting, I can imagine a lot of straight people like trying to have a weird rationalizing homosexuality in their head conversation to gay people for some reason. Like, I don't know why they would think they would have to, but like that conversation
1: very much so feels like. A guy for the first time is friends with With a a gay gay man (laughs) because he's you know he could pass as a straight guy (laughs) yeah and he doesn't make me uncomfortable so i'm gonna ask him a million questions and just say all this thing things and have him be the representative (laughs) for all gay people for me and there's a lot of conversations with perry in this movie like Mm -hmm. that but except with uh, robert downey jr when there's like quote-unquote gay jokes between them I think they're pretty tasteful. Mm. Like, I mean, not even tasteful because they're gay jokes, but they're yeah. like, like when they're uh, they're talking in that closet or whatever, and uh, uh, he's like, "Yeah," and she went here and she did this. So what it means is, and Robert Downey Jr. finishes his sentence and he points, uh, he touches his nose and then points at his nose. Yeah. And then they're leaving and they're talking about it, and Robert Downey Jr. goes, "Oh, by the way, this thing, gayest thing you've ever done." Yeah. I'm like, "That's nice. That's I mean, it's not nice, but it's not like yeah." The rest of, like, the, like, gay panic in this movie and
0: stuff like that. Yeah, like, uh, don't quit your gay job is a funny little, little quip, I think. Day job.
1: Yeah, I get it, it, yeah.
0: But anyways, yeah, like, in this instance, also, I feel like he's supposed to be, like, coming off as the asshole, you know what I mean? It's not like Perry is necessarily at the butt of the joke. It's this guy who's doing this to Perry, you know, putting him in this weird social situation that's supposed to look like a clown.
1: Oh, and are you still gay? No, I'm knee-deep in pussy. I just <laughs> like the name so much I can't yeah. get rid of it.
0: And that's the other thing. I I love Val Kilmer in this movie. I think he's, he's so the funniest good. part he by far. And like, is. yeah, that that's that's yeah, that one kills me. Um, I wrote down a couple that fucking kill me for sure. Uh, we'll get to it eventually. Um, but just <laughs> off the top of my head, whatever. No, never mind. We'll we'll, we'll get to them when I get to him because they're again so contextual. I don't want to hop that far into the movie. Um, but you've got the narrator he's erratic he's just like robert downey jr at the end you find out because it seems like he's trying to pitch though is he is this supposed to be like a movie he's going to pitch it or is no i think
1: he's just narrating just telling a okay. story to a webcam or some shit like okay. that yeah all right seems hairy by the way
0: <clears throat> yeah um yeah robert downey jr is at a nice la party uh i think the opening opening in my opinion the first scene scene you get is very funny the whole him with you know trying to steal a christmas gifts for his like nephew or whatever and you're yeah. robbing the thing the guy gets shot he wanders into you know
1: an acting audition an acting audition. very Barry esque
0: yeah and uh <clears throat> he gets uh you know he's gotten his partner presumably killed and the script calls for that to be happening in the scene and robert Dunning jr reacts very naturally quote-unquote and
1: you know what i just thought about huh uh later when he tells him like he's not actually getting the part yeah he goes no you're here because Colin Farrell wanted too much money. <laughs> I mean, so we watch a Colin about. Farrell movie. Oh, sorry, yeah. didn't mean to jump ahead of you. But I no, just no, no, it's about okay.
0: It. The, the, so we'll we'll tackle this real quick. The three things that I wrote down that connect these movies just to, to just you know surface level things. Both happen at Christmas time. Um, Colin Farrell gets mentioned in this one and is also starring in the other one. And also, they're both very, very, very orange and blue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very orange. Absolutely, and blue. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, there's a lot of exposition. That gets laid out in the early portion of the film. Um, there is the har- there's Harmony, who's who's carries uh, love interest. This is also something I want to bring up real quick. There's so many things in like popular movies that like uh, you always hear as like screenwriting advice that they say like never do this. Like mm-hmm. you know adaptation. Like God help you if there's narration. Yeah. You know what I mean but if like, forrest gump uh, kiss kiss bang bang uh, i think i think what train it is, spotting
1: if there's narration i think it works best in like a movie based off a book like train spotting yeah but like if the narration is there if, i think it has to just be like this is something that you can't show yeah um and i think it has to add something to the movie and yeah. not just like help the movie be lazier you know? yeah and i think in this and forrest gump and train spotting it it absolutely is for the better
0: But the thing I was primarily bringing up is that they always say to, like, make your names or your characters distinctive from one another. And you have Harry, Perry, and Harmony. Harmony, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. So, yeah, Harmony all, you know, grew up in Robert Downey Jr.'s town. They were, you know, he was, like, in love with her. And this is the second thing. Honestly, more egregious to perhaps, in my opinion, than the the gay thing. Because let's get out of the way. Some of the gay stuff is egregious, like when Robert Downey Jr. is like, "plap plap plap" after they kiss or whatever. But again, also, like, some of it can be kind of excused as like, okay, so yes, there are people who are homophobic in the world. Yeah. Our main character may be a little homophobic. It's a flawed character. That's a real portrayal. It's just like, you know, you can have the same argument about, like, should characters in Tarantino movies say the N-word? Is it that great? says no. Are there some people who do say the N-word that are white? Yes, there are, so it's you know, whatever. But the thing that is the most the biggest bummer to me is uh Robert Dunning Jr.'s like mm-hmm. like obvious like Madonna horror complex like mm-hmm. incel tendencies. Yeah. <laughs> Because he lays it out that he was like... He's like, oh, yeah, I was her best friend. Her, her shoulder to cry on while she was fucking every asshole in town kind of a thing. And already you're like, nope, you just hit every, like, like classic neckbeard, like, checklist item. Um, In terms of, like, the things people get made fun of for the whole, like... Oh, I was, I'm was, i just gonna be here while you go and fuck our dudes. Like, you know what I'm saying?
1: Yes, and I absolutely... I, I 100% yeah. agree. But I don't know... I, I think the way it's played in this movie mm-hmm. is fine. Yeah. Because he's not like mad about it he's just like well there's the one scene with chet chutney yes no
0: well yeah that is one but i'm also thinking about the one where he goes on that crazy rant about how he's like if a dude fucks 100 chicks he's probably fine but if uh if there's a girl who's fucking 100 dudes oh i big guarantee that her her, her uncle touched her in the past or something fucked up happened. oh yeah that's not right yeah it's like god grabbed the east coast and shook and all the, the the nice the nice girls stayed on the east coast and all the fucked up damaged ones end up in la <laughs> yeah it's like whoa that was egregious that was now, egregious yeah they, t- they try to do the thing where like they try to do the thing they did earlier with perry and Baldman, where afterwards uh harmony's like whoever hates harry raise your hand right now and everyone at the party hates him
1: um <laughs> Perry yeah. comes in and he's like obedient little bitches huh and someone <laughs> throws a glass at him and he just knocks <laughs> it's yeah. so good
0: yeah but yeah, that one, that that was the you're one right. that was a little me. that that whole thing was a little more hard 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 to stomach than like some of the characters being homosexual. Because like I said, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I was what I was gonna say is like with the high school stuff and him like thinking back, he wasn't like, oh yeah, that bitch never saw me this and that. He's just like, yeah, yeah no, this is just what our relationship was. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't seem like he was doing the incel thing. He was very much so like. Yeah, I wasn't in cell, but like he's not mad about it. But then yeah. you're right. Later he goes on and like, oh, I fucked up girls and on hundred yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah, that you're right. That's fucked. Yeah. So I this take it back. You're correct.
0: We can bleep the name, but this character kind of reminds me a bit of. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hmm I get that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> bleep that. Bleep that. Bleep that.
0: Yeah. Um. <clears throat> but anyways. Um. So yeah. Long story short, you get the exposition of like they knew each other back in the day. Robert Downey Jr. doesn't seem to notice at this point that they're at the same L.A. party until they're at the bar kind of a thing. He just says that she reminds him of the girl from back home kind of a thing.
1: I do love, um, if we're pointing out our favorite little little jabs and jokes in this movie as it goes on, I love the beginning of this party where he's talking to a girl, and she's like, yeah, I do some acting. What do you do? And he goes, oh, I'm retired. I invented dice as a kid.
0: Yeah, Uh, yeah, that's one that I wrote down. It reminds me of the... uh, my father would make ridiculous claims like he invented the question mark.
1: <laughs> so good. <laughs> and like I, I don't know why that works, but for some reason, Robert Downey Jr. in 2005, being I don't know what, like close to 40, mm-hmm. I'd be like, "Were dice invented like 30, 40 years ago?" <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah. And
0: you know, here's another uh, gay thing that like, you know, because RDJ is explaining to Val Kilmer that whole situation with the harmony thing. He's like, "You know, it's the one that got away." And he's like, "Ah, yep, I know that." yeah bill goldberg i don't remember the name yeah and he's like bill uh uh and that's weird yeah, when he does the uh thing but then after when he's like i don't know i feel like you might still have a shot man that's nice that's sweet yeah. i like that part that second half was okay
1: <laughs> um but yeah then they go he goes to the bar after harmony oh i love when he's like gives that monologue to that dude where he's like you better be her doctor uh, don't yes, think just yes, walk yes. away yeah. uh or I'll, I'll kick your ass or something like that. He's like, why don't you just like make a choice, walk away, or let's go outside and dance because it's yeah. past my bedtime. Yeah, Harmony choice. is
0: unconscious drunk, and a guy is feeling her up a little bit.
1: And it, I love the hard cut to him getting the shit punched yeah. out of him on the front. Also,
0: line. on top of that, even more, I like later when they're trying to get their keys from valet, and she's like, uh, he's like, hey, did you see a blonde girl go by? She's like, oh, you mean the one with the guy that beat the fuck out of you earlier? <laughs> <laughs> you mean the guy with the,
1: that beat the fuck out of you earlier? No, have a better night. <laughs> yeah.
0: I love that she says, I have a better night, though. Uh,
1: Yeah, they go to the bar. He is hitting on Harmony. Uh, Her friend comes by and is like, hey, get the fuck out of here. And he's like, all right, I'll see you. And she's like, Harry Lockhart, are you going to recognize me or what? And he's like, oh, my gosh. And then they talk for a while.
0: We also glazed over some of the exposition I was trying to lay out is the Johnny Gossamer novels. Yes. Now, she loved them. And Harmony had a sister whose dad was incest
1: raping her very eloquently put yeah yeah you really you really you really danced around that one um
0: anyways and there's a whole thing there like that gets explained later that we'll just get out of the way now where like harmony had like tried to console her by saying that that's not her her real dad so it's not real incest because her real dad was like the actor who played johnny gosmer that came through town yeah you know at some point to make the johnny gosmer movie yada 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 real quick should we just Maybe even, like, try to lay out all those pieces instead of... Like, a noir film, so hard to talk about sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, long story short, the RDJ and Val Kilmer are working the case. We'll talk about this as it happens. But the backbone of the whole thing is that they think what's going on is that, like, she came here to look for her dad. Yes. They're pretty sure that she hired Perry because... She. What, what the, there's like the whole thing with the you, you help me out the, the, the two sisters.
1: The, it starts there's the, that there's two cases.
0: Yeah. Just like the Johnny Gossmer books. Yeah. One, which is something I love. I do love. It's it reminds me of adaptation where like yeah. the thing that the characters are talking about is like how the movie's actually playing out.
1: Yeah. Um. One is they accidentally see this murder happen, and then the sister killed herself. Right. And as it goes on, they find out that um the sister is the one who hired them to go stake out that house where they see the murder mm-hmm. so they think they're being set up the whole time yes right or no um yes and no no they don't no. they think they, they they find out that the people who threw that body in the river were at the party that's uh-huh. how they know them because the big bad guy is the uh, I, what is he do? he's the actor who played johnny Gossamer. Yeah, and he has a a relationship with his daughter that's very tense and she's uh, you know a born-again christian him. after she tries to sue him after mom died um and now she's back and she's a born-again christian and they realize oh he's got a fake daughter yeah and the fake daughter is harmony's sister mm-hmm. and so he had her killed so she wouldn't tell anybody mm-hmm. and i do like at the end of the movie, they're like, "No, that's not what happened. Sister yeah. wasn't even really involved in this. Yeah, she, it was
0: just that pink-haired girl that was lar- like, yes, yeah, so she, lar- was, she the was the fake, fake sister, and they killed her. Yada yada yada.
1: Yeah. Anyways, yeah. So there's all this going. I on. I feel like we did a horrible job. explaining We did it, right? a really bad
0: job. <clears throat> we'll try to maybe piece it together as we go through. Um, long story short, RDJ is hanging out with Val Kilmer because he's getting detective mm-hmm. lessons for the role he's about to play. They go out and they're supposed to be staking out. Um, this cabin, because this woman named Ames, last name Ames, says Mm -hmm. that her husband's, like, cheating on her or something like that. Instead they find a couple of guys throwing a body into the trunk they don't know that though they hear like the banging and i like that rdj thing where he's like what's wrong with her caught with it with his car and val kilmer goes i'm not a mechanic <laughs> um but anyways they go to the lake they those people shoot the car off a ledge into the thing val kilmer goes down there because at first rdj is like what if there's a person in there so he's trying to be like a hero and val kilmer goes down there and he shoots the trunk open and there's a body in there and they find the body kind of a thing and um, You know, Val Kilmer is like, we got to get the fuck out of here. We got to get away from the body. Let's put it back in the lake. And he, RDJ is like, well, yeah, that's great, but you also shot it in the fucking head. <laughs> kind of no, he was
1: like, <laughs> he pulls her out and he's like, oh, is she okay? He goes, no, she's just resting her eyes for yeah. a second. He's like, oh, yeah. really? He goes, no, her fucking neck is broken. Yeah. And they go on about it. He's like, we got to get out of here. He's like, no, we have to call the cops. He's yeah. like, listen, man, I got priors. He's like, no, we need to call yeah, the cops. <laughs> he goes, what, well, you think they're going to believe that uh, You, they broke her neck after you shot her in the head? And he's like, oh, yeah. fuck. And then, uh, He's like, okay, we got to get out of here. What? I have the gun quote ready to go, so don't bring that up. Uh, That's what I was going to bring up. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, we got to get out of here. And he's like, okay, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. The- and <laughs> fucking RTJ takes the gun that he shot that girl in the head with, or whatever, and throws it in the lake because he thinks he's getting rid of evidence. And like, Velkimer's all winded and shit. And he's getting up and he's like, uh, <clears throat> he's like, all right, now where's my gun? And he's like, oh, uh, your gun. I, I, well, I threw it in the lake. Don't worry about it. I already took care of it. He's like, you threw it in the lake? he's like my $2,000 ceramic vector my mother got me as a special gift you threw it in the lake next to the car what happens when they drag the lake you think they'll find my pistol and he's kind of like going off and stuff like that and RDJ's like oh no 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 he's like no okay all right, all right. I was being a little nonplussed or whatever he's like hey what's 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 that? that is that, a, is that a clue on the floor and then he RDJ's like holding the box and he hits RDJ in the face like, great it's great. great it's one of my favorite Val Kilmer scenes I love the oh is that, a, is, that a, is that a
1: clue yeah yeah I'm so a briefcase and he hits him with it the whole this whole scene Val Kilmer is just at a 10 yeah. <laughs> he's like god you look up the word dictionary uh or, <laughs> look up the word dictionary look at the word idiot in the dictionary you know what you'll find uh, a picture of me no the definition for the word idiot which you fucking are yes it's so good so anyways from there i oh, god damn it i love when
0: they're in the car and they're drying off with towels and rdj was like this towel's so good why can i get another towel he's like this towel's not for you it's for the seat he's like no it's not you used your feet to dry it off and then he gave it to me yeah mean, <laughs> you use dry off your shoes i mean
1: you used to drive the shoes and then he gives to me he's like no it's for the it's for the seat stop dripping
0: <laughs> yeah um anyways i think by the time they get back that's when they get the call that harmony has killed herself which... <laughs> i'm
1: sorry just before he drops him off we missed in the bar where Robert died Junior's like oh i feel badly and she's like bad he's like what she goes badly uh, implies that the mechanism you yeah, used to feel an adverb is working bad and then when perry's like get out of here sleep badly and he goes uh, sleep bad he goes what He's like, uh, it's sleep bad because badly in, uh, implies that the the mechanism used for sleep. He's like, no, you,
0: it's badly. It's an advert. Who taught you your advert?
1: He's guard I'll call you tomorrow. He's like, die. And he yeah, yeah. Um, but wait, doesn't he, he get the call? He gets oh, the yeah, call he, because he, he leaves his cell yeah, phone. Yeah, he leaves his cell
0: phone. Right, 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 right. So anyways, RDJ does whatever. I, he, I just know it's like almost a hard cut to Harmony, like being at the scene kind of a thing, isn't
1: it? Um, and they're like, no, he gets oh, the call because they think Harmony's dead.
0: Yeah.
1: And then um, it hard cuts to her at his hotel room door, like minutes later, mm-hmm. and she tells him about the sister and stuff like that. And he he's
0: lies like, about being a detective. Yeah,
1: tells her to help her, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. And she's leaving, and he goes into the bathroom to take a piss. He's popping a bunch of pills and stuff like that. And he's like, yeah, yeah, just take whatever you want. And he looks over in the shower, and the girl that they found is in his shower. Yeah. And he pisses on it.
0: Yes, the pissing on it is very funny. Um, she like leaves Val Kilmer's four minutes away and he I, I love this scene I love he's like they're framing you there's definitely a gun go find the gun all that stuff's great finds the gun wraps the body up they throw it off the rooftop it lands on the side of the dumpster <laughs> he's like, hilarious <laughs> he's
1: on the phone he's like uh, uh, Perry Perry's like what he's like I peed on it he's like what he goes I peed on it he's like you peed on the body he's like yeah can't can they do like DNS he's like why in the bubonic fuck did <laughs> yeah. you pee on the body
0: <laughs> anyways uh they're driving around with this corpse there's also the scene where yes they they kiss to get the cops off their tail or whatever because the cops roll by with flashlights and i love kissing. when they throw
1: the body off the roof and it hits the side of the dumpster yeah. like it lands next to yeah. it um then from there they what do they do with the body i don't remember they wrap it in a rug harmony finds them they tell her what's happening yeah I don't what they, remember what they do. With yeah, the I don't remember. Party. They get rid of the body. Yeah. And then uh, it's the next day at a diner. Harry is talking to Harmony about her case. Mm-hmm. And then they see something on the news. Yeah. Oh, they see on the news that the body of Dabney Coleman, is that his name? The actor who played Johnny Gosper. Yeah. Uh, his daughter was found dead, and it's yeah. the girl that they found. Mm-hmm. And then what happens from there god
0: damn i don't know if there's the what when does he lose his finger he loses his finger pretty soon here
1: he loses his finger when he goes to see harmony and she finds out that he's not a detective oh yeah we probably get the scene where Val kilmer's
0: like hey colin yeah, farrell yada yeah, exactly, yada yada." Yeah. they're on and a rooftop, I told harmony. and he's like get the fuck out of here he's like you didn't get that part yada 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 we were using it just to scare colin farrell i told harmony you're not a fucking detective then he goes to see harmony loses his finger they rush over to the hospital he's high as hell on drugs he
1: goes to the airport yeah sees Flicka from the bar earlier gets harmony's number because he has to talk to her and when he does that he like remembers something or like yeah figures out part of the mystery i can't remember where it is goes there there are some clues
0: here and there it's a noir film
1: yeah exactly yeah um and yeah that he's high as hell at the bar does the monologue um
0: yeah because they go to that bar or whatever because harmony's working yeah harmony's working we already talked about the whole who hates harmony yeah
1: she finds the the johnny gossamer move they watch it they realize that guy's the actor from it yeah and so then so they piece
0: it together that she must have come here looking for looking for her dad and then he got rid of her or whatever
1: yes yeah and then perry goes all right i have to do a job real quick i have to go follow somebody yeah i'll be back he goes to do that
0: rdj um, bumps into the two goons yes which is also pretty funny to me
1: yes that whole scene's great um yeah Har- harlan dexter is his name
0: okay do you remember that conversation they had? Uh, not probably? really there's yeah. like
1: some uh like shit here and there where they're like just threatening him and yeah they're they just like- give him
0: some vague threats they hurt his finger which has been you know stitched up yes cut to harmony and rdj go into the hospital to get the finger fixed again they end up following the goons on accident.
1: Uh, Dabney Coleman is an actor who is in no movies I have ever seen. I don't know where I pulled that name from. Okay.
0: Anyways, um, yeah, they so she ends up following the goons instead of taking him to the hospital, he passes out in the back of the car. She stops those two guys from like assassinating him. Because uh, yeah,
1: they're going to kill, kill Perry, Perry because you know, the girl he's following end. is uh, a a setup.
0: Yeah. Loose end. Uh, she The girl With the pink hair Who is the actual Replicant For lack of a better term, Yes <laughs> Ends up taking The fucking car That Robert Eddie Jr. Is sleeping in. in They end up Back at her place RDJ Kind of wakes up Stumbles into the house He's asking if anybody's there Nobody's there Then he hears some rustling He hides under the bed One of the goons From earlier Is there talking with her And he, uh, you know, is talking to her about, like, how, like, yeah, 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 Mr. Dexter, whatever, yada, yada, yada. You're never gonna have to go through this again. She's like, who's so fucked up? I watched a guy die. I can't think, I I don't think I can do this anymore. Then she gets shot. Yeah. RDJ and her lock eyes underneath the bed as she's, like, dying on the floor. You know, he's holding back tears and trying to tell her to shush because she keeps trying to mouth, like, who the fuck are you? Kind of a thing. Anyways i absolutely love though uh as like the the henchman is getting bags to like grab the body rdj is like in a daze like he's like leaning on the bed now instead of being underneath it kind of a thing and then he's just like well well if it isn't the tough guy what in the fuck are you doing here kind of a thing and then you know rdj shoots the guy yada 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 uh tries to put his finger on ice gets a call from perry dog eats the finger kind of a thing he tells Perry, like, hey, I just woke up in this girl's house or whatever. She just got shot by the henchman. I shot one of the henchmen or whatever. Um, I've never killed a guy before. Bar. Yeah. And she and he's like, get the fuck out of there. And he's like, I can't. There's, like, fingerprints on the dog kind of a thing. And he's like, there are no fingerprints on the dog kind of a thing. He's like, They're he's not going to dust the dog. Yeah, he's got my, my, my finger kind of a thing. And then the dog swallows the finger. And he's like, oh, no, I think that solved itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, somehow they link back up.
1: Yeah. I don't know how. I don't remember what happens immediately after yeah.
0: this. Anyways, there's some situation where, like... Earlier, we saw RDJ cover up the lady's lower half when they found the lady in the lake.
1: Because she wasn't wearing underwear.
0: When they're back at the crib, him and Harmony, they're, like, going to go to bed after they've had some drinks or whatever. You know, I think Val Kilmer maybe even told them, like, hey, we got to drop this. This is all crazy. Like, I talked to my police connection and, like, whatever the fuck. Anyways. um, And as RDJ is, like, about to go to bed, kind of a thing, he's like, hmm, I just thought of something. He's like, "That, that girl we found in the lake, she wasn't wearing any underwear. Anyways. Flash forward, Harmony pieces that together seemingly because she leaves a voicemail on Perry's phone and Perry shows up and he's like, Harmony's in trouble, gotta go save her. What the fuck did you tell her earlier? That kind of a thing, like, that might I, have set her off.
1: I do love when, uh, earlier he's telling Perry about her. He's like, yeah, she did have one, uh, one, uh, one exception, though. She said she wouldn't have sex with my best friend, Chet Tutney. Yeah. And then when they're about to sleep together, she's like, oh, I got it. I gotta admit something to you, though. And then it hard cuts to him kicking her out. He's like, Chet Chutney, really? Yeah. It's great. And then, yeah, that's when she leaves and ends up calling Perry.
0: Yeah. So anyways, um, they're, like, on their way to get uh, her from where they think she's in turmoil because Perry has pieced together the no underwear thing must have meant that she was, like, institutionalized. Yes. Like, that's the only thing that would, under uh, you know, like, explain how she went from, like, suing her dad for mom's money to, like, being a board against Christian and whatnot. Um, then they bump into kind of an orderly uh, there's that great Val Kilmer bit where they're being led by gunpoint mm-hmm. and he's like yeah you know in movies you know yada 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 whatever it looks this way but in real life pros always do it about five feet away so that the, the, the guy doesn't take the gun away from you, you stupid fuck or whatever that kind of thing and he's got the gun and on I the love, kind of-
1: Yeah and I love when like before that happens like he Val Kilmer says something to the orderly and he hits Robert Downey Jr. with a gun he's like I didn't even say it and yeah. then when like, he gets the gun and they turn around, Robert yeah. Downey Jr. hits him with a gun he's like see yeah. I just hit you for no reason it sucks <laughs> doesn't it again the scene Val Kilmer 10 out of 10 it's yeah. just killing this entire time
0: yeah they're like uh, interrogating the guy val kilmer's correcting him on his interrogations to Gills. and uh this is another one of my favorite uh, val kilmer lines where he's like i want you to picture a bullet in your head and he's like that's ambiguous and he's like no it's fucking not or whatever and robert Downey Jr. was like no it actually kind of is because like, are you telling him to like picture a bullet in his head or are you trying to are you tell him that you should, you should picture a bullet entering his head and he's like shut the fuck up kind of thing you know what i'm talking about Anyways, long story short, uh, Robert Downey Jr. shoots a guy in, a, in the head. I'm, he does the rest of so the
1: Yeah, he's just like, puts a bullet in, flips it, and he's like, where? It's the girl, and it's yeah. the first one as yeah. the bullet in it. And, and he's, he's like, like, what, there's like a one in eight chance? He's like, who the fuck taught you math? No, whatever. I love he's like, it. He's like, you put a live round in that gun. he's like, yeah, I thought there was like a whatever percent chance. He's like, who taught you math? Yeah. And then Harmony calls him, and he's, <laughs> Perry's talking to her on the phone. And Robert Downey Jr. sitting there, he's like, well, oh, four times... So stop multiplying <laughs> He's like, no, I don't know what's going on here Stop multiplying yeah. We need to get it's, oh, 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 God, Val I'm so I watched the Val Kilmer documentary he put out a while ago Yeah It is kind of a bummer It's a bummer to see what Val Kilmer's going through now Yeah And all the chunky, chunky turquoise jewelry he's wearing mm-hmm. uh, But it's good and I highly recommend it Yeah um,
0: Yeah, I've always liked Val uh, Tombstone's great as well Yeah But um, Yes Then our climax happens because they're trying to hide that orderly's body, and when they turn around, there's a couple of actual henchmen that have them at gunpoint now. Yeah. And all kinds of hijinks ensue from here. Harmony, like, steals the van that has the actual body in the back before it can get cremated because they're trying to cremate it so that it can hide the evidence or whatever. And then... She's supposed to be coming and picking up RDJ and and uh, uh, Val Kilmer after they've escaped from what happens in every Johnny Gossamer novel, The Torture, because Dexter shows up and hooks up a fucking car oh, battery or whatever right, to RDJ's right, right. balls. And there's that guy who's whatever. And there's also the F word gun thing. Yeah. Which yeah. a lot of people are 50 50 on. Whatever. Um, but anyways yeah then there's the big set piece where like the the fucking casket ends up hanging off of a like a you know like a exit sign on the highway and dexter shows up and he's trying to run over rdj and rdj and val kilmer have already been shot and harmony this and that and yada yada yada
1: robert Downey jr just Beats shows a million people like five guys in a <laughs> row
0: like a million peeps
1: like i'm pretty sure his eyes are closed and he's like bang yeah. bang bang
0: yeah yeah Eventually, we end with the wrap up where everybody's still alive and you get some I funny... know, I do
1: love when he gets to harmony, and she's like, "Oh, you've been shot." He's like, "Oh no, check this out." And he pulls out the book. Oh yeah, and she's like, "Oh, cool!" And she takes it and she puts her fingers. She's through like, "It's the book." The and she it's puts like, her oh, finger yeah. through the book and yeah. looks at him, and he's bleeding. He's like, "Oh, I guess not." Yeah,
0: that is really funny, and I think the movie has a lot of little things like that that are like. Yeah, it's great, the... and that's one of my favorites for sure is the the book thing. Anyways, it wraps up with Val Kilmer coming out and saying like, "Yeah, we all lived." Um but, yes, none of that was true. What actually happened is, you know, Harmony's sister came here, saw them incest fucking, and she got killed because Dexter didn't want that to he was, get out. He was right? having
1: sex with the, the double yeah. of his daughter, and yeah. she yeah. thought it was the real daughter. Yeah, it was exactly. like, oh, yeah, yeah.
0: old dad and new dad, yeah. Yeah, and she couldn't handle old dad and new dad kind of a thing. And then there's another ending where it talks about how they all went, went back to Indiana for <clears> the, <throat> the wedding, and then even cut more to another scene where Val Kilmer is smacking up dad who incest raped Harmony's How do you thought about
1: this scene? I like it. It's just weird. It just feels yeah. out of place for this movie. Yeah, it does. But
0: I, I I like watching it. Yeah, yeah, I definitely like that. He's like, big, tough man beating up an old, defensive, defenseless man. He's like, yeah, that's right. Big, tough guy. Yeah. And
1: I love when he goes in there. And he's like, do I know you? And he goes, no. I wanted to go to the zoo, but it was closed, so I thought I'd come here to see an animal. And yeah. Like, Ooh, get him. Yeah. Um, I love when it cuts to Robert Downey Jr. in front of the computer or whatever, uh, wrapping it up. He's like, oh, that's pretty tough back there, right, with the old guy? Ch-ch-ch-
0: yeah but anyways so that was probably the most chaotic mess of uh, description of a film Absolutely, that we've yeah. ever done um strengths of the movie uh I'm just gonna lay it out uh love the neo-noir uh, plot where it's like a, you know intriguing like something like a classic kind of you know double indemnity or like a north by northwest but it's just got you know some modern twists and subversions and you know pokes a bit of fun satire could be thrown out there as a label um I love Val Kilmer and RDJ I like their relationship harmony's great um and all around yeah it's just uh a blast it's very fun um it's interesting and i love that thing where like the the novel is exactly mm-hmm. how things plan out and i love that it ends on that note of him saying i can't remember exactly how robert Downey Jr. put it but he's like yes it was like a book until it wasn't but while it was wasn't that great you know that kind yeah. of thing um in terms of cons yeah this came out in 2005 there's some sussy shit in there for sure uh the gay stuff the incel stuff just a couple things that wouldn't really fly today and are also you know sometimes hard to stomach then our next movie has a couple of those too um overall i think i'm putting it in like the i'm probably gonna put both these movies in the bang bang category they're both getting probably b's i think okay give them both b's yeah
1: um yeah like i said love this movie yeah. Um. I mean I'm basically just going to say everything you said yeah. again but I think this movie uh, its entire strength is just how fun and watchable Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer are together yeah. they're carrying it on um, their back for sure Yeah, and like you said just like the modern noir film mm-hmm. just works it, it gets me it's not like the most complex mystery yeah. even though it kind of is like every time I watch this movie another part of that mystery I'm like oh okay I get that I get how that's connected now um, yeah because it's just like a noir movie there's just so it's so dense with clues yeah um
0: yeah i think that's the thing about any noir film like looking back it's it's a lot frequently hard to follow every little like deviation in the plot so rewatching is always fun because you're like oh yeah yeah that little bit Right, uh right right
1: you know yeah and uh this movie was written by you know a white guy in the in the aughts so yeah there's some incel stuff there's some gay panic stuff there's uh the guy getting the girl after all the years who ignored him and now she finally sees what he's worth and stuff like that yeah. that all sucks um so yeah i'm i'm gonna give this movie a b plus
0: nice all right so after that well i want to make a quick detour okay this comes from the depths of wikipedia instagram page okay on god uh gospel of jesus's wife the gospel of jesus's wife is a papyrus fragment with coptic text that includes the words jesus said to them my life. That's all that's included in it. It's just Jesus saying to them, my wife. It seems to
1: imply that Jesus had a wife, but it's very funny. That... I, I'm conflicted on the my wife joke. Because whenever someone goes, my wife, after someone says my wife, I'm like, uh-huh. okay, whatever. I get that we're, un- that we're ironically doing Borat. <laughs> and it's come around to being funny again. But yeah. I'm like, all right, whatever. But um, my manager at work, Jeremy is so good at it. Like, I can't explain it. Like, someone will say my wife in a sentence, and I won't even clock it, but I will hear Jeremy. He does the perfect amount of the Borat exit, and he's always somehow 100 of feet away from everybody, and I'll just hear off in the distance. Someone will go, yeah, no, and I was talking to my wife and this and that. All right. It's so, uh, oh, God. And it makes me max. I'm like, God, I don't want to laugh at my wife, but, oh. <laughs> All right. So after Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, it was news time. Um, like the uh, it was news time. Yeah. What does that mean? you mean the news. Oh, the mail. Yeah. Okay. Well. Oh, my I, bad. I was, Go I'm ahead. Let's start over. Let's start over. So after this movie, after Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, like the ships in the night, that mean you often are. I wrote it on the whiteboard, and I came back the next day, and you were gone, and you wrote in Bruges. Um, I don't know if we ever mentioned this on the podcast, but the the main reason we have this show is so that me and you can talk for an hour. Because very often me and you are ships in the night, and we just don't see each other for like a week. Yeah. Um, and I think it worked out well. I think because uh, oh my god. You and I talk for hours. Sometimes we'll sit down and go, "What movie should we watch?" And we don't watch a movie because we yeah. talk about what movie we should watch for two hours. Yeah. I, I think this worked out perfectly. I just went, "Fuck I'm gonna watch this." And you went, "Ooh, I can nail this." And you picked in Bruges, and so we watched in Bruges. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mail time. All right. Oh, sorry. News. Here's the news.
0: In Bruges. A space station full of explorers crashes on an undiscovered planet. In the crash, the ship's uh, hyperdrive fuel becomes unusable, stranding the the crew on this dangerous planet. After a year on this planet, the team is ready to test their newly created hyperdrive. The space ranger uh, responsible for the initial crash offers to test out the new hyperdrive himself. After the initial test fails, the space ranger lands back onto the planet and finds uh, four years uh, have passed down there uh, while mere minutes passed for him. Uh, he learns that a trip into hyperspace will cause time displacement, aging everyone on the planet much faster, uh, than himself. Determined to get his, uh, crew home, the Ranger, uh, continues these tests. Uh, unt- ultimately, losing a hundred years in the process, returning to the planet, he finds all his friends long dead, and this new generation of survivors no longer interested in returning to Earth. Alone up against a new crew, with a surprise uh, visit by a rogue group of space pilots, Buzz Lightyear must lose- use everything uh, in him to uh, to make things right. Ten out of ten. Did you just look up the synopsis for that? Have you actually seen Buzz Lightyear? I watched
1: Buzz Lightyear before, and Bruce and I wanted to talk about it. <laughs> Um, I watched Lightyear. I, I went to go watch In Bruges. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, Chris already watched so it. So the 10 out of
0: 10 for Buzz Lightyear? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you like it that much? I loved Lightyear. Oh,
1: okay. I, I went, to, I was like, oh, I got to watch In Bruges tonight because Chris definitely has already watched both of these movies. Yeah. Uh, and uh, surprise, you came home the next day and was like, get out of here. I got to watch two movies right now. This was like 12 <laughs> hours ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was like, all right, I'm going to make some food or whatever first. And, oh, Lightyear's on Disney+. Plus. I'll just turn that on for a second and see how it is. Because I hear it's not great. Uh, I ended up watching all of Lightyear. And I was like, oh, it was like 1130. I'm like, oh, I got to go to bed, but I still have to watch it in Rouge. Yeah. Chris, I loved Lightyear. <laughs> um, it was great. People don't like it. I get it because it's not like a good like Pixar movie. Yeah. Um, and the most egregious part of it is the beginning is like a, a title card that says, In 1995, A Boy Named Andy got a buzz like your action figure a character from his favorite movie this is that movie and it's like okay i didn't need that yeah that kind of uh, gives
0: like blair witch vibes or something yeah
1: and then it starts playing and i was like oh a lot of like the technology and this stuff and the stuff they're using and like even like the the like fonts and stuff i'm like oh this kind of feels like alien where it feels like a 95 sci-fi movie but they don't really hold on to that it gets more modern as it goes on um and I thought it was just a fun little sci-fi movie. Awesome. Like all that stuff you just read in there, isn't that insane to think about? That's the Buzz Lightyear movie. Yeah, because I was I was, like, I was like I was like, is he doing like uh, that specific scene in in uh, Interstellar? Interstellar. Yeah, it's kind of it like Interstellar. And yeah, he comes back. I'm gonna ruin Lightyear for you and anyone who's listening. Um, he comes back after however many years, and like he teams up with like the granddaughter of his friend that he crashed there with, uh, and her group of friends and. The new colony doesn't want anything to do with hyperdrive, but also evil Emperor Zerg from, you know, Toy Story <laughs> showed up and he's, like, kidnapping people and stuff like that. So they, like, you know, gotta stop him and get back to whatever. And he gets to Zerg's spaceship, and uh, Zerg is just this big robotic, like, machine guy. And his helmet, he, like, op- the thing, the Zerg opens up, showing that there's a guy inside of it. And he looks like old Buzz Lightyear, because I don't know if you remember in Toy Story 2, they do the Star Wars joke where he goes, No, I am your father. And and, in Lightyear, Buzz goes, Dad? And he goes, Ah, close. I'm you from the future. And it's like, What? And he goes, Yeah, I created a new um, past. Because you know how you got off and met What's-Her-Face and you've been doing all this stuff? I didn't do any of that shit. I landed and then left again and went into the far, 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 far future where they had more advanced technology and this hyperdrive crystal that we have I could use it with their technology to go back in time so I came back here to help you so you can make all this right and Buzz has learned all of his lessons and stuff now he's like oh no if we do that none of these people I just met will exist anymore so we can't do that and old Buzz is like oh well now we gotta fight and I'm like this is fucking a Buzz Lightyear movie this is awesome (laughs) I love it and it was great Uh, I think it's a 10 out of 10 if you don't like the Buzz Lightyear movie you're wrong and I hate you (laughs) Anyway, here's the thing for Bruges.
0: <laughs> I saw this uh, tweet that was like, if you didn't want people to be mad about Buzz Lightyear sharing a gay kiss, you should have just had him fuck his boyfriend in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> in Bruges, hey Braj. do you like comedies? You into a tasty drama? A fan of Irish accents? On the run after accidentally killing a kid while purposely killing a priest? Do you enjoy the music of Regina Spectre? You Grammy? I don't know. Okay. Uh, well, then check out In Bruges. IDK, I think you'll dig it. Uh, is it problematic? Totally. Uh, is it the most 2008 thing you'll ever see? Uh-huh. But still, it's pretty slick. A primo flick. A NAR, 90 minutes. Uh, a pretty bitchin' swell uh, of a movie uh, that'll leave you stoked off the, uh, the lip like the aggro junkyard dog kook you are. Uh, not an ankle slapper, but a real backdoor bomb. Uh, won't leave you scagged by the rail. A real shaka, uh, clam dragger. <laughs> Seven out
1: of ten. I think a surfer wrote that one. Yeah. What the hell? Just a r- real quick table table talk. I wrote, I wrote down a real a r- a, r- a real good flick, a real sick ninety minutes or whatever. Those rhymed, yeah. and I was just like, I'm gonna work up, look up some surfer sling. I started <laughs> ri- writing it. Um, if someone is a body boarder, Yeah which means they lay down on the board the entire time while live in grades, w- riding, riding waves, yeah. uh, that's called a dick dragger. Uh. And if it's a lady, it's a clam dragger.
0: Huh. So Interesting. That sucks, doesn't it? Do you want to talk about Imbrouche, your quote-unquote history? With
1: it? Oh, what's my experience with Imbrouche? Yeah. Uh, just like your history with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, as long as I've known you, you're like, gotta watch this movie. Gotta yeah. watch this movie. Uh, and we watched it, what, like a year ago, I think, together? Perhaps, Yeah. Oh, and I, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I think it's really good. I think it goes perfectly with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Um, I was surprised when I watched it the other night. I was like, "Oh, oh, I guess I forgot a lot of this movie." I'm like, as it was going on, it was I was like remembering it. Hold on, I took down some notes. Okay. Um,
0: I will say this is just my history. Real quick, it's just a movie I saw like right at the sweet spot of like a oh, drive just happened. I just saw Dottie Darko, saw like a Clockwork Orange mm-hmm. and stuff, and I was just like, "Oh, movies," you know. I think it's like, you know, usually when we give that little speech, it's easy to say that this is like a, and I mean, no disrespect, but it's like, you know, like entry-level scenophile kind of thing, where like when you first start thinking, man, movies rip, you're like, whoa, Ambrose, whoa, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. I I think this movie, just like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, is like, this is a really good movie that I don't, I mean, maybe it's just me, but I don't hear a lot of people talking about this movie. Uh, And I think it's great.
0: So you have your notes? yeah I you want to save them for as we talk yeah we can do that okay um yeah let's get out of the way with the problematic stuff yeah there's just some weird gay jokes and some things that border on being racist
1: yeah there's like a, some fat phobia I, I mean there's
0: or, a character who's actually racist which i think yeah. pays off with one of the characters being like hey how about this
1: hmm yeah. and then
0: he's like oh, two manky hookers and a racist dwarf i think i'm done for the night that kind yeah, of thing they refer but
1: to little people as the m word just constantly yeah. in this movie yeah
0: but specifically, the, uh, the there's the uh, joke about the uh, the uh, the, uh, the gun later on where he says the thing about how he's mm-hmm. like, an Uzi? I'm not going to kill 10 black teenagers in South Central Los Angeles. I want a normal gun for a normal person. And it's like,
1: okay, well, what do you mean by normal?
0: Yeah. It's a little I, better because yeah.
1: it's the bad guy. So I'm yeah. like, all right, I guess I'm not supposed to like you. So yeah. this tracks.
0: Yeah. And there's just a couple of lines like that, like, the one gay beer for my gay friend and one normal beer for me, because yeah. I'm normal. And some of it, you know, it's one of those things where, like, again, it's of the time, like, that's, when I, every time I say that line, I always feel like it could also just be from Scott Pilgrim.
1: Yeah. You're right.
0: <laughs> like, I I could see, like, uh, uh, his roommate yeah. saying it, but calling Scott the gay one.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know I mean? It does, you're right, it does feel straight yeah. out of that. It could. Yeah. Um...
0: But anyway, so yeah, there's there's definitely some problematic stuff in here. Again, written by a white dude in the in the aughts.
1: Yes. I'd, I'd say this movie has the same strengths and weaknesses as Kiss yeah. Kiss Bang Bang. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the two leads. I love watching them do their stuff. And yeah. then also I really like
0: Mad-Eye Moody. I've never oh, really seen great, him in anything yeah. else other than Harry Potter and this. But yeah. He's really great. He's if great. anything, I think he carries the movie more than Colin Farrell. Like a I bit, think of yeah. this as his movie more than I think of it as Colin's. Absolutely, yeah. You know? Um, Colin ends up being one of those protagonists that, like... You know, he's in this situation because of his actions, but to a degree, I feel like um Eye Moody is the more more of the one who's like uh, I don't know. It just seems like, I guess, to a degree, it's just a movie with two protagonists is the most concise yeah, way to put it. But like, I, I I don't know why, you know, Mad Moody is the one that I can't take my eyes off. Yeah, with. I'm
1: gonna I'm, I'm sorry, I'm gonna jump around to the end, I think, but I do love um, throughout the whole thing. It's just like, yeah, it turns out they're they're hiding out here. But the real reason they're in Bruges is because their boss loves Bruges. Mm-hmm. And was like, yeah, it's just a fairy tale. It's just a fairy tale of a place. And uh, I just want him to have something nice before you have to kill him. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that sucks on two counts. I don't want to kill my friend. And also, he hates Bruges. Yeah. And I do love, through the whole thing, he hates all of it, but Mad Eye Moody loves every bit of Bruges. Yeah. It's just. Uh, right up his alley. And he's the one that ends up dying at the end. So it was for him. Yeah. He got this nice thing before he died yeah. instead of Colin Farrell. And yeah, you're right. There are two protagonists, but it kind of feels like Colin Farrell is the protagonist at the beginning. But when you think about it, no, the main character of this movie is Maddie yeah. movie.
0: Cause it almost feels like by the end of this story, you know, I would say we're jumping so far ahead, but I would say it's implied i know it's implied like oh did i live or die there's no way to tell either way i didn't care that kind of a thing Mm -hmm. but that bitch lived and if anything like i feel like his his story starts now like what does he do from here yeah right you know what i
1: mean or are they in purgatory the whole time chris is bruges purgatory
0: (laughs) but anyways uh cold open they're in bruges colin farrell's complaining about it mad i Moody wants to go to the top of the tower you know, Mister Mister um, Colin Farrell does not, and you get the line about the whole like, "Ken, I grew up in Dublin. If I'd grown up on a farm, and was the R word, you know, Bruce might impress me, but I didn't, so it doesn't." Yeah, and uh, I love,
1: I love not the R word, but I love right off the rip this movie starts and they're having these conversations and they're witty and they're funny yeah well yeah but- i'll even
0: say in the very beginning uh I, I i totally skimmed over i love i know it's just all flash and no whatever but it's like uh it's so like pulpy and just like ah, i like it um the thing where he's like the literal first line of the movie is after it was done i threw the gun into the river Thames and washed my hands in a burger king <laughs> bathroom whatever. yeah
1: yeah, yeah, and the, 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 there's that, and the yeah, yeah, yeah. It moves on to the nice, like, kind of still kind of pulpy conversation. I can't remember what the first conversation they have is when they're just walking down the street, mm-hmm. but I remember it's funny. It's funny, but this movie is shot so depressingly. Yes, like everything's very dark, like color wise.
0: It's, it's a it's a love letter to Bruges. Bruges looks nice. Is I think. Yeah.
1: I think Bruce looks nice. It's just, like, this movie looks dark and depressing, and, like, especially this first shot is, like, I think, like, handheld footage, so it's kind of shaky, and it just feels like a depressing movie, but throughout the whole thing, it is depressing, but it's extremely funny. Um, a dark comedy, if you want. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, like, the blackest of comedies. I yeah. love it.
0: Yeah. But anyways, um Yeah. Uh, Then there's the American family that are very fat, and he tells them not to go up there because there's windy stairs, and they're like, screw you, motherfucker, and chase him around. And then Mad-Eye Moody comes down for the real punchline, which is him saying, guys, I wouldn't go up there. There's a bunch of windy stairs. He's like, screw you, motherfucker. All that stuff happens.
1: Anyways. Oh, sorry. I I skipped past my notes I said I was going to read. They're walking around at the beginning, and I'm like, I wrote down, oh, right, doesn't he kill a kid? And then they go up to the, he's by the top of the tower, and I was like, right oh, right. Doesn't he jump off this tower? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay. So let's talk about a couple of strengths. One, right off the bat, is I know it's not objectively, but it feels like the movie lays out Bruges well. So many characters like w- like walk past the same things and yeah. on the same sections of Bruges, like morning, afternoon, night. Like you you get the they reuse the same locations often, and it, yeah. it just feels like this one square block of exactly Bruges yeah. where everything's happening. And I like that sense of feeling oriented. To this space.
1: Would you say, Chris, that Bruges is also one of the protagonists of this movie?
0: <laughs> and also, one thing that is also worth noting is at the top, mad Moody kind of foreshadows in a sense by yeah. doing the gun hand to... Yeah, call and uh, uh, <laughs>
1: yeah I love... Yeah. It's like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but less... Complex, Yeah. More like, I hate how we reference this movie every time something at the beginning is connected to the end. Yeah. It's almost like Magnolia. Yeah. Where there's so many threads in this movie that begin right at the beginning. Yeah. And all tie up in this big yeah. climax at the end.
0: It's great. So yeah, so yeah, they're they're uh, they're there, they're laying low because Colin Farrell was, like, on his first job that he had gotten through Mad-Eye Moody, who was like a friend, uh, was to kill a priest, killed a kid, and they're supposed to be laying low. Uh, I think one of the next things they do is go to a bar and they're kind of having a conversation about that where he's like, why are we laying low in Bruges? Kind of a thing. You know, I hate Bruges, yada, yada, yada. Um, and he's like, uh, you know, he's like, uh, he's like, oh, who knows? Maybe we're in Bruges cause we're on a job. It's kind of elaborate to be in Bruges kind of a thing. That's kind of an elaborate thing for Harry to do for us. You know, and I think they end up back at the hotel. A lot of this is just them kind of hanging out and talking for yeah. the first like 15, 20 minutes and, uh, Colin Farrell's going insane, and uh, he talks mad eye moody into going out by being like uh, like why don't we have a drink or whatever and he's like no we can't leave harry said to stay in because harry's gonna call or whatever and he's like what if we went out and had a look at all the old buildings and that <laughs> he's yeah. like eh. he's like i bet they even they look even better at night kind of a thing so they end up out and about at night and they're they're looking at that fucking, <laughs> i love when they go to that chapel and mad i Moody's going on that long thing about how like he's like he's like in that you know, can this is get this later approach- on, but yeah, no, I love this oh, okay, yeah. my bad, but whatever, I'll talk about it now. He's like, there's supposed to be a dro- a vial of Jesus Christ's blood, and they say, like throughout the years that from time to time it is turned from powder into liquid and then back into powder, and then every couple of years like it'll turn back into liquid kind of a thing. and he's like, you want to go up and have a look at it? And he's like, do we have to? And he's like, of course, you don't fucking have to, you don't have to it's only Jesus Christ's fucking blood, of course you don't fucking have to." Huh? <laughs> so good. Yeah. But anyways, they go out, I don't know where they go. They're looking around, but they end up this is st- the movie set. strolling Yeah, they end they end up bumping into the movie yeah. set. Um, it, where Colin Farrell says they're filming well, Little People. Well, yeah, well, he doesn't yeah, say yeah. that, but yeah. Yeah. And uh he ends up meeting a girl. They have a nice little back and forth or whatever, uh where he makes her smile uh because he's kind of talking neurotically and ends up mentioning that a lot of little people kill themselves. Ah, uh, which is the first time, in my opinion, that the movie foreshadows that that's what that's what's on this character's mind. He's thinking about killing himself. That's yeah, why he keeps yeah. bringing up the dwarf thing. I'll jump ahead real quick and talk about how the night before he kills himself, he's out doing cocaine and drugs with the yeah. little person, and that's the thing that he like. He tries to have like a one-on-one conversation where he's like, "It's like a lot of dwarves, you know, kill themselves," and he's like do you ever think about that? And he's like, Jesus Christ, man, why would you ask me that? He said, what like, the fuck making... kind of conversation is this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was only on this viewing that like, I was like, I, I, always, I always noticed that that was why he was bringing it up because it was on his mind. But that specific interaction just hit me a little different. Like I was like, oh, he's asking him about it, not just because it's on his mind, but because he knows that about little people. And now he's hoping that he can talk to someone who also thinks about that, you know? Yeah. But anyways, back to where we're at.
1: Yeah, never caught that. That's yeah. great, yeah.
0: She drops the, the number, or whatever, for him to call her, and he's like, oh, so fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> they go back home or whatever, and mad Moody notices that there's the... I think mad Moody didn't even stick around this long. Anyways, he's back home, and there's the the woman who owns the bed and breakfast gives him the note that Harry yes did the call. telegram and he's like first why aren't you in when i fucking told you to be in? when i'm gonna fucking call you second why do you why are you staying at a fucking hotel with a fucking uh without a fucking answering machine and not i have to leave a message with the fucking receptionist or whatever and at the bottom there's the ps from marie and she's like i own this with my husband thank oh, you <laughs> receptionist it's great and that's one of the, my notes i wrote down. Yeah. like that's so
1: f- yeah f- unbelievably funny
0: yeah and uh Yes, Colin Farrell comes home late. He's talking about how he's had so many beers and he's not even drunk and he talks about how he has a date the next night and Maddie Moody's like, that's great, that's great, that's great, whatever, you know. They wake up in the morning, they have breakfast. I, I love
1: that. And that's a good little scene when he comes in and he yeah. turns the light on it's and so Moody's Moody's uh, already asleep. He's like, turn the fucking light on. Yeah. He's like, oops, sorry. And he's just being loud the entire time and he's yeah. brushing his teeth. He's like, got a date tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, he's like, I had six beers and seven pints. No, wait. Seven beers and six pints,
0: and I'm not even pissed. You know? And mad Eye Moody wants nothing to do with it. Because he's all hyped up about the girl. He's like, Mm -hmm. I got a date with a girl. Anyways, in the morning they have breakfast. Um, Mad Eye tells him, like, hey, we cannot go out tonight. Like, we have to stay in. Harry called. And he's like, Ooh, except both of us don't have to Mm -hmm. stay in. And he's like, What the fuck are you talking about? He's like, I did already say that I had a date with a girl, which I did already say, and you have to admit, I did already say that. And Mad-Eye Moody concedes. He's like, all right, but this morning we're doing what we want to do. And this is a scene that I'm very conflicted about because I think this interaction that happens next is very funny, but then they ruin it with, like, the edgelordy black comedy thing. Uh, he says, I have a feeling that it's going to involve a lot of culture. And Mad-Eye Moody says, no, we'll find a nice balance between culture and fun. And Colin Farrell says, yeah, except I feel like the scale's going to tip ever so slightly in the favor of culture, which is pretty funny to me. And then he says the thing about how he he's, like... Like a big fat black R word girl opposite a dwarf on a teeter totter or whatever. Yes.
1: it's it's bad. Yeah, I don't like listening to it. Yeah, I think it's the first time in this movie. Like with the, the 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 little person stuff, I was like, eh, that's not cool. But when he said that, I was like, go. Yeah. <laughs> and then they go see Jesus's blood.
0: Yeah, they go see Jesus's blood and do whatever they're yeah. gonna do that day. And then uh, Colin Farrell and. Um, Before we even get there, they they spend the day at the uh, uh, museum looking at the Bosch paintings. Bosch's crazy, you know, depictions of what people refer to as purgatory or hell or whatever you want, yada, 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 and all the crazy stuff. And again, you get more of what's on Colin Farrell's mind where he talks to Matt Moody about, like, do you believe in hell and heaven? And, you know, they talk about purgatory and how, like, if you're not really shit, you go there and stuff like that.
1: Um, we yeah, also—it's a good, good delivery from Mad Eye Moody when Colin Farrell's like, "Do you like believe in all that stuff or anything like that?" And Colin, Far- uh, not Colin Farrell, Mad Eye Moody's like, "I don't know." And it's like, "Ooh, that's rough. That's a, that's the roughest answer you could give it <laughs> instead of yes or no." It's just like, "No, we assassins." Yeah. Honestly, I don't know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but anyways, uh, and again, the Bosch thing ties into the idea of the purgatory thing that you were joking about earlier in the mo- uh, earlier in the thing, and also something else that I caught on this one is. That the little person also refers to the last scene they're shooting um, that night, that like the gunfight happens. He's like, he's like, yeah, it's supposed to be this thing where like it's a dream sequence, and you know, someone wakes up and realizes that the the demented little demon dwarf that they've been seeing is actually just a harmless little school kid. It's all a big Boshian nightmare.
1: Oh, fun, like the painting. Also, I think we've passed it at this point, but it was in my notes. You get uh, the scene of him killing the priest and the kid on accident. Yeah, don't know how I did not remember this scene, like. Like I audibly gasped. When yeah. You see like I and I wrote down on my notes. Oh yeah, he shoots the hell out of that kid. Um, because I don't I don't think I've ever seen it in a movie before. But he shoots the priest, and the priest goes the little boy and falls down. And it turns out on the other side of the priest was a little boy. And you see this little boy with a giant hole in the top of his head from getting shot in the face by Colin Farrell. Yeah. And I was like,
0: and then Midnight like, movie runs in and rushes him out like, of there.
1: Holy. Fuck. that's like yeah. the gnarliest thing I've ever seen in a movie. Probably,
0: yeah. it's pretty gnarly. Um, so, anyways, he does go out on the date with Chloe. They have an alright date where she says, like, I steal from like tourists or whatever. No, she tells
1: me she's a drug dealer. Yeah,
0: drug dealer or whatever. And he's like, oh, that's cool because I, I kill people for a living. And she's like, uh, she's like, oh, you know, yada, yada yada. And he's like, oh, mostly kids and priests or something like that, joking. And she's like, eh. I don't see a priest kind of thing, and he's like, oh no. and she's like, "No, you look like you killed children more kind of a thing." That's yeah, whatever. And yeah, it's yeah.
1: like oh, that's that's a it's 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 like okay, cool, you guys got on the right foot. And you're into this <laughs> you're dark, dark, dark dark humor, yeah. yeah, for sure. And then she's like, "No, you look like you just killed kids," and it's like, "Ooh, yeah. you don't
0: know." And she goes off, and you know, he's like, "Fucking Christ!" Over the guy next to him, and he's like, he turns to the brick and he says, "What's fucking unbelievable or whatever?" And yeah. the guy's like, "What's unbelievable is all night your fucking girlfriend blowing cigarette smoke in my face," and he's like. It's the smoking section. He's like, yeah, but I don't have to die because of her fucking arrogance or whatever. And he goes, yeah, like the Vietnamese or something. He's like, what the fuck does that mean? He's like, the Vietnamese. He's like, saying it again, I ain't gonna make it any fucking clear. What the fuck are you talking about? The fucking Vietnamese whatever. And he ends up punching that guy and also punching a girl who swings a bottle at him or whatever. And then he has to explain to Claudia afterwards. like I
1: I love earlier... um, I don't remember how the conversation comes up. Oh, Mad-Eye Moody, yeah. Mad-Eye Moody says, having that conversation. It's something about like hitting a woman or something. Yeah. He's like, she came at me with a bottle, and he's like, oh, yeah, a bottle can kill you. You gotta yeah. knock out somebody. He's coming at you with a yeah. bottle, and the girl in the restaurant comes at him with a bottle. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, while this is all going on, Mad-Eye Moody is home, gets a call from Harry, and I love this interaction or whatever, yeah. <laughs> where he's like, uh, hey, uh, he's, and, and Mad-Eye Moody's like, yeah, we're, we're both in, like, yes. He's like, oh, Colin Farrell's there? And he's like, yeah, and he's like, yeah. and he's like send him out and he's like well harry's in the bathroom and he's like well is he doing a wee or a poo and he's like well i don't know and he's like well go find out and he like has to walk over there and like knock whatever yeah and you know ask him to like go out or whatever and he's like where's he gonna go out and he's like i don't know i'll we'll find like a bowling alley he's like find a bowling alley in bruges or whatever," and sends him off and you know colin farrell like even uh, uh, the the voldemort even asks him like uh <laughs> he's like, he's he's like, like, is, he like is he gone gone and he has to get up and pretend to go to the door and make sure and he's like yeah he's gone harry or whatever Is where finds voldemort yeah And uh, one of the things I have to mention of is there's a point where fucking... uh, He says something like, where were you guys yesterday or whatever? And he's like, oh, Harry, we were gone for half an hour. We went out and had dinner. He's like, where'd you guys go? And he's like, Pizza Hut. And he's like, was it good? And he's like, yeah, it was Pizza Hut. (laughs) And that shit's very funny to me. But anyways, he asks him how, uh, you know, the... uh, trip is going yeah how the trip is going and he says that he doesn't know if it's Colin Farrell's thing Harry blows
1: his lid I mean nice fucking thing yeah how can it not be his <laughs> fucking, fucking thing it's a fucking fairy tale and the fucking fairy tale kind
0: of a thing and then yeah the man I do he does a very nice thing where he like lays back on the bed and he tries to be very like, very sentimental about how he's like yeah it's just in the beginning there's all those like tourist shops and stuff like that but then once we got past the big archways you do remember the big archways they had those when you came here right he's like he's like I know I'm dreaming but yeah you know, or awake but it feels like I'm dreaming and stuff and Harry's like ah, oh, yeah that's nice I wanted to make sure he had something nice before he died or whatever. And he's like, what? he's like, write this number down tomorrow. You're going to go see a, name, a guy named you know, Yuri or whatever, and you're going to get a gun from him or something. And he's like, what are you talking about here? he's like, you're going to yeah, kill him or whatever. That whole conversation is like, a he... nice, like, the other shoe falling kind yeah. of moment in the movie.
1: Uh, yeah, no, I like it. The first, like, inclination of it is he's just like, oh, that's nice. I wanted him to have something nice. Yeah. He was always a good kid, wasn't he? Yeah. He's like, what do you mean, wasn't he? He's like, I he killed a kid. Yeah. If the buck doesn't stop with him, where does it stop, yeah. Harry? And he's like, oh, Harry. What's his name? Ken. He's like, where yeah. does it stop, Ken? And he's like, okay, yeah, I guess I gotta kill Colin Farrell. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I do like when mad Moody gets kind of fed up because he's like, if the buck doesn't stop there, where does it stop, Ken? You know. It's like, if the buck doesn't stop, he's like, it stops with me, Harry. It yeah. stops with me. But anyways, so yeah, uh... Next thing I know, oh yeah, the fucking the boyfriend shows up at the Chloe date and tries to rob him. Takes the gun. They're making out on the bed, and I go, "Hey,
1: Chris likes this song." And then the boyfriend shows up. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And uh, takes the gun. He's like, there's only fucking blanks in there, dummy, or whatever. And he's like, blanks? And he shoots him in the guy's eye. And he's like, I can't see. And he's like, of course you can't fucking see. I shot a blank in your eye kind of (laughs) a thing. They have the whole conversation about how he's like, you were going to rob me kind of a thing. And she's like, no, you're not. And he's like, oh, I knew it was too good to be true. A girl like you would never like a guy like me kind of a thing. Whatever. They go off to take the boyfriend to the hospital. He's poking around in her room and finds a bunch of drugs, a gun, and some bullets, which are... It's literally a suicide kit. He found exactly what yeah. he wanted. Yeah,
1: he found it. He found what he wanted. And then uh, Ken is drinking at the bar next yeah. to the little person. Yeah, he's going to go American. He's like, don't yeah. hold it against me. Yeah. And I like it. He says, I do. Later, like, I do
0: like the, uh, the 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 interaction they have, whatever. Where uh, he's like, "How's the movie going?" And the guy's like, "It's a trumped-up bit of Euro trash, derivative trite, this, that, and the other kind of thing." And there's a beat, and Ken goes, "Like in a bad way." <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways uh yeah so yeah he's having beers to the point that the you know bartender's like you know snickering and he's like is there a problem or whatever and he's like me problem no four pints in 20 minutes no problem you know uh colin farrell comes blazing in high on coke and he's like if my heart stops you know it might have something to do with the grandma coke in me and he's like you've got some coke and he's like yeah but i thought you said it made you feel uh depressed the next day or two. he's like yeah but i don't really care right now so let me have some kind of yeah. thing and he Ken goes off to go drug, do drugs in the bathroom, and I love that Colin Farrell notices the, the the little person, and they have a little conversation where he's like, hey, I waved to you the other day, and he's like, I was on a lot of horse tranquilizer the other yeah, day. Yeah. I wasn't waving at anybody, except maybe a horse. And they talk for a little <laughs> while, and... Uh, <laughs> I wasn't waving at anybody except for maybe a horse. And they talk, and like they end up saying something. Oh, yeah, it's the whole thing where that girl that he's with, he's like, oh, you got a pretty girlfriend, and she's like, oh, he's actually a prostitute or whatever, and she talks about how, like you know she's from like Amsterdam or whatever and he's like oh yeah Amsterdam's only known for weed and like you know prostitutes or whatever and she's like exactly that's why I came to Bruges I could get a better price for my pussy and he's like looking at her like "Wild-eyed, i mm-hmm. like what you two are weird and then as he's like do you want to go do drugs with me? or whatever Mad Eye Moody comes in the frame <laughs> all wild eye <laughs> yeah so anyways then they spend the night with you know prostitutes and cocaine
1: and uh I love I don't know if this is where you're going I, I assume it is there's I don't I don't love the monologue from the little person where he's going on about the, there's gonna be a race war. Mm-hmm. He's like, what about the mixed people? He's I like,
0: do love, yeah, I do love Colin Farrell doing that the whole time where he's like, well, what about what about the Vietnamese? And he's, he's like, like, the blacks. The,
1: the are... blacks, of course.
0: And he's like, I'm definitely fighting the blacks. then, and he's like, you're not gonna be able to <laughs> choose a side.
1: Um, and he's like, wait a minute. Do you mean that there's gonna be a bunch of white little people versus a bunch of black little people? And he goes, yeah. And he goes oh, that's messed up, man. I feel like you guys should have some kind of solidarity on that. And he's like, do you know how much, you don't know how much shit I've gotten from black little people. Yeah. And
0: Such a classic white person take too.
1: Yeah. And I, I, Colin Farrell's delivery on this is so good. He goes, you don't know how much crap I've gotten um, from uh, little black people. And Colin Farrell goes, that is undeniably true. Yeah.
0: But yeah, I love immediately after that, Ken goes on the whole thing where he's like, in 1978, my black wife was killed by a white man. So, where do I fit into your pretty little picture of this race work? Mm. i of thing? He's like, I don't know, man. You're going to have to weigh up your options or whatever. He's like, hmm. Two manky hookers and a racist dwarf. I think I'm done for the night. And leaves. Yeah. And Colin Farrell takes the drugs and also leaves after karate chopping. The little person. She's <laughs> like, yeah, I no, Because he's, he's like, back off shorty. Or he's like, you don't know karate. And then he chops her. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, Mad Eye Moody gets up early in the morning um, to go get a gun from Yuri uh yuri keeps talking about the alcoves and like there's like a that. lot of alcoves yeah he's
1: like do you use this word alcoves you like nooks and crannies oh, he's like yes alcos. he's like oh crannies. yes nook
0: and crannies perhaps this is a better word
1: and i do love a uh, jumping ahead again but like when him and uh voldemort are like chasing each other but like uh, they just like sit down friendly for a sparring <laughs> a nice little it's like
0: sp- uh it's like professor x and magneto <laughs>
1: yeah and I, and I love like they, they've they just come to like okay i'm gonna kill you and this is what happens and yeah. they're just having that nice conversation because they've been friends forever yeah and he's like yeah yeah he was telling me about these alcos. he told you about the alcos <laughs> yeah. too I'm like, oh my god that's nice is yeah. a nice
0: little but anyways he goes off and gets the gun uh colin farrell wakes up excuse me unbeknownst to ken writes a will and testament gives 200 bucks to the pregnant woman who owns the bed and breakfast and goes to the park to do the deed Like I said, the audience in Mad-Eye Moody does not know this, but Mad-Eye Moody goes to the park to kill him because he finds out from the woman that that's where she's gone because she tells him about the $200. He hasn't seen The Will and Testament yet, but he knows that he gave away the money, yada, yada, yada.
1: I think this is such a nitpicky thing to correct you on, but The Will and Testament is Mad-Eye Moody's. Oh, really? Because he knows what's-his-face is going to come and kill him. Okay. And he just leaves a suicide note, Colin Farrell does. Okay.
0: Um, anyways, they like they, it's a very like it's very kiss kiss bang bang. There's like that moment that's very much so, like what if the dude was about to kill himself and then at the same time he's about to kill him kind of a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know what I'm saying I, like yeah. that whole yeah, it's situation. great. It's great. It's a nice shot. I yeah. love
1: just uh, him behind him and him with a gun to his head and he stops yeah. him. He's, he's what like, the what the fuck are you, are you doing? He's what are you doing? Yeah. And like I, <laughs> he's like, you were gonna kill me. He's like, you're gonna kill yourself. He's like, I'm fucking allowed to. <laughs> yeah. And And yeah, I love just from there. They're like. All right, let's talk about this and they yeah. sit down because it's like oh, at yeah. the play place. Yeah, like, yeah, but I like the, the like just the the tense like. Yeah. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Atmosphere, tone, or like the balance of power between oh, the two of yeah. them, being like, "Well, I got you," and he's like, "Okay, well, I got you too." So yeah. let's just. It's a draw, right? Yeah, now. Let's just yeah. sit down and talk about this. And I love
0: that after they talk about it, he's like, "All right, give me the gun." And he's like, "What? I need the gun." He's like, "No, you gotta give me the gun. You're suicidal." Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah.
1: It's also it's very funny and a very sad scene where he's yeah. crying. He's like, "I killed a little boy," and he's like, "Yeah, yeah but you killing yourself is not going to make that boy come back." Yeah, that's not going to fix anything. You can go on and try to do something good for the make sure the next little boy stays alive and yeah. gives him a bunch of money and puts him on a train. Yeah, and then on the train he bumps into the fucking the, the Canadian guy, again. The you the
0: hate the Canadian yeah do i hate the canadian yeah i don't know what the fuck you're talking about yeah
1: (laughs) i like i love he puts he puts him on the on the train because he's like yeah uh ray fines voldemort's gonna come here and kill you so you gotta go and then the cops come and get him on the train he's like where are we going he's like back to bruges he's like oh perfect
0: but anyways yeah uh i also forgot to mention that after the train thing happens before that scene harry does call mad eye moody again they're on the payphone thing or whatever and he's like, uh, hey, you hear that? That's the sound of the train. I just put the boy on it or whatever, you know, kind of a thing. And they get off the phone. And he starts slamming that phone into the receiver. It's Christmas morning. Yeah, it's Christmas morning. And his wife comes in and he's like,
1: Harry, it's an inanimate fucking object. And he's, he's like, you're an inanimate fucking object. <laughs> and I love why he's like, I'm sorry for calling you an inanimate object. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Anyways, he's on his way to Bruges to go handle the whole situation. Um... You, yeah, the the, the, the the Colin Farrell gets sent to jail because of the guy he shot the blank in the eyes of. Um, no, um,
1: for beating up the guy. And then what's-her-face comes and bails him out. I don't think anything happens with the guy he shot in the eye. Oh, I, I don't think that's that was... why he's in jail. I think he's in jail for beating up the Canadian. Oh, okay. And she bails him out.
0: Okay. Anyways, um, yeah. So they get bailed out or whatever. Uh, Mad-Eye Moody and Mr. Uh, Voldemort meet up at like a pub after Voldemort has gotten the gun and said the awful thing <laughs> to yuri i do
1: love when he's with yuri though and he's like what happened to your eyes yeah. The other guy and he's like oh he's, he's like, the guy that shot me with a blank he's like yeah. he shot you with a blank he's like yeah. oh i was robbed with a gun full of blanks yeah. he shot me in the eye and he's, like, yeah. he's like well it sounds like it's your fault really yeah. he's like i thought you wanted to kill him he's like i do but if someone if you rob someone with a blank gun and they take it from you and then they shoot it in your eye that sounds like your fault. I'm on his side in this one.
0: Mad-Eye Moody and Voldemort, uh, you know, have a conversation.
1: Then they decide to go to the top of the
0: bell tower. I should also mention something we glossed over in the beginning is when they're going to the top of the bell tower, Mad-Eye Moody's, like, counting out some change. It's, like, $5 to get to the top, and he's, like, four ninety. And the guy oh, yeah, he's yeah. like, would you take 4 And he's, like, entries 4 euro or 5 euros or whatever. And he has to break a 50 or whatever, and he's, like, happy in your work. And he's, like, very happy or whatever. And so, anyways, when they're going to the top of the bell tower to, for Harry to kill mad-eye moody they bump into that guy and he's like tower's closed and mad-eye moody's like i thought it was open till 10 he's like yes but an american had a heart attack on it yesterday so tower's <laughs> closed early today and uh and harry's like we're only gonna be a minute ever and then he starts poking the guy in the head and he's like tower is closed get it british man or whatever the yeah. he says him, and harry kills him they go to the top of the tower and uh harry's like yeah i'm gonna have to kill you kind of a thing and uh Matt and Moody's like after everything you done for me, like I'm not we're not gonna do like a shootout kind of thing. You could just kill me. Like I'm thankful for you and I love you, or whatever. And he's like, well, I can't fucking kill you now, kind of a thing. But he does still end up shooting him in the leg. know I, I love
1: that. It's it's yeah. plain, it, like what I said earlier really about Colin Farrell, uh, Voldemort's delivery, and this is perfect. He's like, well, I can't do it now. If you said all that and I shit, mm-hmm. and then yeah, he shoots him in the leg. He's like, well, you still let him go. I had yeah. to do something. Then Chloe and uh,
0: and Colin Farrell are, are just you know frolicking the streets of, of Bruges and Eric the man who's been, had the blind, the, been blinded by the blank sees them also earlier had seen Harry and uh, you know Mad-Eye Moody go up the tower so he starts running up the tower and he's like you know Mr. Voldemort it is me you know I, I just saw the guy you're trying to kill he's here in Bruges And then oh right
1: before this they saw uh, the little person dressed like a schoolboy
0: oh yeah and he gave the whole thing about how the oh yeah we're about to go shoot the nightmare yeah. scene like you should come by it should be, actually be pretty fun tonight Bashi and Nightmare yada 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 yeah, Eric goes to the thing or whatever. And for some reason, I don't know why. I, is it because, like, he perceives that Mad-Eye Moody lied to him? Is that why he immediately switches and decides to shoot Mad-Eye Moody? Yes, he thinks did. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. Because Mad-Eye Moody doesn't know he's back, but he thinks he lied to him about putting yeah. him on a train, and he's just been hiding him there the whole time. Yeah.
0: Mad-Eye Moody gets shot. He's very obviously dying. He's been shot in the neck. And this is one of my favorite scenes of the movie. I love yeah. the fucking, the Dubliners, whatever, Dubliners, however you say the fucking, pan, the, you saw her first. Yeah. <laughs> As he, like, crawls painstakingly, just oozing blood up the thing. And I love that, like, before he jumps off to make sure nobody's standing there, he drops a couple of coins so people move out of the way or whatever. Yeah. And it's all foggy. He can't actually see the bottom. And he straightens his tie before he jumps. And he does jump and then hits the thing. And it's probably the second worst thing I've ever seen in a movie. It just yeah. hits and there's just blood. And it's just like,
1: he's just in pieces on the ground. Yeah, yeah.
0: it's disgusting.
1: And, like, was, was his plan to make a scene so Colin Farrell was aware and could see Harry coming out and then get a, a a running head start or was he like well I'll probably just die in a minute after I fall and I can talk to Colin Farrell cuz that's what happens I think it was
0: and I also think it's definitely like a jump the shark moment but a like little bit, yeah it, but works, it works really it works really well, yeah. like, cuz yeah he comes up and he's like oh
1: my god I, you know Ken what the fuck kind of a
0: thing and he's like Harry's here take my gun he's like he looks at the gun it's all smashed up he's like where's my gun again where's my gun you know and stuff like that then he sees harry and they have a small chase that leads them back to the bed and
1: breakfast love this scene
0: yeah colin gets his gun but the woman who owns the bed and breakfast won't let harry up kind of a thing and harry won't actually push past her because she's pregnant and again the whole principles thing then they decide to have this thing where he's like all right listen i'm gonna jump out that window into the river if i can swim across you know, you can shoot me from there, but if I can swim across, there, yeah, that kind of a thing. Like, let's take it out of the hotel, and they agree to to it. he's like, all right, um, one, two, three, go. And he's he sit- just
1: like, <laughs> where is it? Do I go right or left? He goes, you go fucking right. You can see it <laughs> out the window, man. Yeah. He's like, sorry, I haven't been here in a long time. Yeah,
0: but yeah, I love when he's like, oh, we get one, two, three, go kind of a thing, and then he sit in silence for like ten seconds of the movie, and he's like, well, who says it? You fucking said it. It's like, okay, one, two, three, go, and they go and you know it leads to a big chase he immediately gets shot when he jumps out luckily in the river there's like a boat going by but he still gets shot after saying like there's no way he makes that shot from here yeah i love that yeah and they <coughs> eventually wander into the nightmare scene that's being shot in the movie and there's all these crazy people with like
1: you know mouse heads and stuff like that oh also i forget just something real really quick uh earlier when he's talking to mad eye moody harry is he's like, Yeah, hey, he tried to kill himself and i stopped him and he's like you stopped him I mean, well, it makes sense that he would do that. And he goes, really? He goes, oh, yeah. If I killed a kid, I wouldn't think twice. Anyway, they run into the night. Oh, yeah, so. that
0: is pretty pretty uh, prominent. Also, there's a pretty funny joke or whatever. He was like, uh, he's like, geez, the boy was suicidal or whatever. He's like, so what? He's suicidal. I'm suicidal. You're suicidal. Everybody's fucking suicidal. And he's like, uh, he was like, somehow it comes up to the topic of like you didn't kill him kind of a thing he's like well he was gonna kill himself kind of a thing he's like but I stopped him he's like but you stopped him he's like this just keeps getting fucking better he's (laughs) like I needed you to kill him and you stopped him from killing ourselves it would have solved your problem it would have solved my problem
1: it would have solved his problem yeah 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 yeah. anyway the nightmare scene
0: yeah and uh, long story short Harry ends up shooting Colin Farrell the same way that the, the priest was shot in the sense that Behind Colin Farrell was actually a child, and we should also mention that when he gets the gun off of Yuri earlier, he specifically gets the dum yeah. dums, the exploding bullets. Yeah, uh, yeah, Yuri's like, he Would you to- like some of these dum dums? He's like, I know I shouldn't, but I'll take a couple of those, yeah, because like, yeah. like
1: uh, pop heads or whatever, yeah, pop yeah. heads
0: or whatever. And so, afterwards, you know, Colin Farrell's like dying, or he's like, The little boy, or whatever, and uh, you know, Colin falls. Harry sees that he shot the, the little, little person who's dressed like a schoolboy. Thinks it's a kid, and he's like, "Hmm, yeah, the little boy," and immediately like, goes to put a gun in his mouth. And Collins like trying to like be like, "No, no, it's a, it's a thing, whatever," and he blows his brains out, kind of a thing. And the movie ends with a, a monologue, like in the beginning, with the whole like in bruce thing. Uh, it's like some snow falling, and he's getting carted into the back of like the ambulance, or whatever. And he's like, "Yeah, you know, he's like somewhere in London. There's a little." you know there's a there's a christmas tree with presents under it but no little boy to open them kind of a thing and he talks about you know basically just that thing where he's like and he's like and in the end i didn't know if i was gonna live or die but it didn't really matter kind of a thing you
1: know yeah i yeah, and, yeah. i like in part of that monologue he talks about the christmas presents not being yeah. open he goes my plan was to go to that mother and tell her what happened and mm-hmm. whether she wanted to kill me or call the police i was gonna let her do whatever she wanted but no, i might live or die and i don't care <laughs> credits Mm-hmm. I like this movie, Chris. I like it a lot.
0: Um, yeah, I like it a lot. I think um, strengths uh, are that it's very funny, um, for sure. Uh, carried on the back of Colin Farrell, Voldemort, and, and Mad-Eye Moody. And uh, even to a degree, like the, the lesser characters uh, are, are enjoyable, not necessarily mm-hmm. carrying the film. But yeah, I love Marie. I love Chloe. Uh, Eric is fun. Yuri is fun. Um, the little person, I can't remember his name offhand. So but he's uh, He's also fun. The prostitute. That he hangs out with is has that one little funny. Line. So, yeah, they're they're all funny. Even the bartender with the whole like me problem. No, four mm-hmm. beers yeah. in twenty minutes, no problem. But anyways, and the guy um, at
1: the, the guy at the toll booth taking the money. And yeah, just every, everybody's great.
0: Yeah, and it just reminds me of like again like the not your dad's kind of thing. <laughs> like it, it's it's in the vein of like something like a Pulp Fiction. It's like a crime thing where like they're they're you know they're they're doing the edgy twist on it where it's you know modern but like this one just seems to have like a little more of an emotional lean than most do uh because yeah. primarily it's you know the story of you know mad moody and and uh, and colin farrell and learning to forgive yourself or forgive others and what can you forgive and you know people make mistakes and yeah. bouncing back from that and yada 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 you know it's just it's a good movie again like i said bang bang gotta give it a b b b two b's bang bang
1: Yeah, I think this movie's great. Um, I I keep saying uh, it fits really well with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah. Because also, that's one of the things we've had to mention in Kiss
0: Kiss Bang Bang. It's a little corny, but towards the tail end, Val Kilmer says to Robert Downey Jr.,
1: he's like, hey, also, stop stealing shit. You're not a punk. Yeah, I think, even though it fits perfectly with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, um, yeah, I think the biggest strength of this movie for me is I don't think I can think of another movie that's like this movie. Yeah. Uh, I think this thing is entirely its own for better or for worse mm-hmm. um I, I just think it's really i, I again just like train spotting and everything else you've shown me i'm really glad <laughs> i'm really glad you sat me down and made me watch this um, yeah yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a b yeah so kiss kiss bang bang a b imbruge a b bang bang light year a plus that's that mattress man
0: If you need more soup, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or go to our website, eatingsoupalone.com. And until next time...